Welcome to ECB Everything College Basketball. Cooking it up with Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. Yeah. It's everything college basketball. We're marching on to the madness. Come to the full court press. Every crazy dunk in the conference and how that team's match up. We're pulling your poles, taking your bows, letting the Burton brothers know. The players you're watching, the teachers you're not with, and who you see in the final four. With them shout outs and weekly pickums. Plus those crazy rants from Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. It's ECB. Everything college basketball. Training three. Man, this podcast has it all. It's ECB. Everything college basketball. Training three. Yeah, now the moment you've all been waiting for Your host, from the corner It's Josh and Peyton Burton With Tyler Cool Everything College Basketball Podcast to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast. Excuse my my rudeness there with that. But again, I am Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton. And Peyton, I forgot to turn off the sound on my laptop. So that's what <laughs> listeners, five seconds in, have already heard the... I'm pretty sure last week when we did the Big Ten conference, I'm pretty sure ESPN was in there again. Like, <laughs> it happens all year round. Like, that would never get old. We just, it's part of the natural deal. We just leave it in. Yeah. We could have edited it out, but why not? Yeah. Why Life not? Footage. Peyton, you mentioned it. We've already started our previews back in episode 63 with the Big Ten conference. We've had some good feedback. Um, I know Indiana fans are excited. Um, they like our prediction of Indiana being in a top four spot. I know you and I had some differences on who wins the conference. You had Iowa, I had Illinois. But nonetheless, I think the Big Ten is set for a massive year once again. IU, be- IU fans better like my damn prediction. Because two years in a row, I've been not high on them. This is the first year I've actually picked them. I picked them second. So y'all better love my damn predictions. Um, I still hate y'all's program, though, just saying. But... Today, we got a doubleheader. Not only are we doing the ACC, the Atlantic Coastal Conference, we're also doing the Big 12, and I can't be more excited because basically we're talking about my two favorite teams, Louisville, today, obviously in the ACC, and Kansas in the Big 12. So it should be interesting stuff. Last year in the ACC, it was very top-heavy. Some surprises, mostly North Carolina being how shit they were, finishing last in the ACC, which would not happen again. At least I hope kind of doesn't happen again. Um... Very terrible year for Williams Tall Hills last year. Looking to bounce back this year. Um, should be some exciting stuff. Yeah, we're talking about two conferences. Obviously, the ACC is going to be better, and they normally historically are better than the Big 12. But on the landscape, you're looking at two conferences. Their top couple teams are really good, and then you have a bunch of teams right in the middle of the pack. Um, kind of the similar what we had thought to the Big 10, but the Big 10 throughout the middle and even the bottom is better than any other conference. These two conferences, in my opinion, we'll get into. The top three, four teams, five maybe, and one of the conferences are really good. And in the other conference, the top three teams are real, like national title contender good. 
we're going to get into that. But everybody else just kind of falters off, uh, just kind of in my opinion on the surface. Peyton, we did get an assist. Uh, it's that time of year you know college basketball is around the corner. When the Lindy's magazine starts to hit the shelves, well, it's on shelves, and I snapped it up. We have a little sidekick assistant here. I love these Lindy college basketball preview magazines. Whether it's Lindy's, magazines, Ken Palm, it doesn't matter. We can all use this as an extra piece of uh, – um, research to do when we use conference previews definitely nice to see uh, I ended up waking up like three days ago to this being in my on top of my desk it was a nice surprise and I immediately started reading through it and looking at some of these teams some teams that weren't even in the ACC uh, but I'm glad I have this magazine because it really helped us last year and it's no different this year yeah and real quick before we jump into the conference previews Peyton I feel like it's our duty to inform everybody or maybe catch everybody up on the latest news in college basketball. So let's go ahead and just get into it since last time we talked. It is official. The NCAA is, and the basketball committee has came together. Peyton, we we're basically going with option two that we talked about a month ago. College basketball is starting now officially November 25th, so we do have an official start date. We also have some official news. Some of these preseason or early season I should say tournaments for obvious reasons have been relocated as such the battle for Atlantis Peyton no longer being in Atlantis in the Bahamas it will now be taking place in the destination point that everybody wants to go to South Dakota mm -hmm. yeah um, you talk about Maui sunny beautiful Maui around Thanksgiving's a, a big a big treat it is now being played in the hills, in the hollers of Asheville, North Carolina. But the fields pretty much stay the same with the exception of Atlantis. Now Duke's backing out. They don't want to play in South Dakota. They're going to try to host their own deal. But we got to give credit where credit's due on this. Coach K and Duke will get credit. They shouldn't. The first program that I've seen officially that said, you know what, we're going to host their own personal bubble in our place, over a course of three, four, five days a week, and we're inviting eight to 12 other teams to come join, is Louisville, Peyton. It's your boys. Chris yeah. Mack, I think, is ahead of the curve in this. He said, we are going to host. Hey, what was the exact tweet? He said, hey, D1s, get your games here. Louisville's non-conference bubble, November 25th, towards November or December 5th. Eight to 12 teams, three in five games per team, there's lodging, medical protocols, spots feeling fast, let's go. Yeah, I think he was ahead of the curve, and he did that before Coach K tried to do, like, the Duke invitation or whatever. I hope schools, I would love to see Kentucky pop in. That's what I'm saying. Pit Kentucky, pit IU, let's pit Memphis, Tennessee, Cincinnati. Ohio State, Cincinnati. It's let's our bubble we talked about. Yeah, let's pit them all in there. Stack them in, Yum Center. I'm down. I am so down. Yeah, so we're going to see a lot more of this, I think. But the good news, Peyton, we have an official start date. We are now 60, as we record on Saturday, uh, September 19th, we are 67 days away from the official tip-off, Peyton. We are getting closer. We have an official date. It's really going to happen. We All the nerves we had a month or two ago, it's going to happen. We're going to have college basketball, and it seems like we're pretty much going to have a full season. Yeah, uh, when you asked me, what was it, two weeks ago or something like that, yeah. um, when we did our return show without being like a month off, towards uh, COVID-19, um, you asked me, do I think we're going to have a college basketball season? I said, yeah. Um, and I'm glad now that to know that 
There's no doubt in my mind that we are having college basketball season. Now that the date set was on November 25th. November 25th, yeah. November 25th, option two. Still good with me. I didn't care what option it was, whether option one, option two, three, or four. Did not matter. I just want to see college basketball. At least we got a final date, and I cannot be more excited. Now the countdown that begins, the final countdown is coming, and I cannot. I'm so excited. We got to do our own instrumental so we don't get sued. Yeah, let's not get copyrighted. Um, one other last piece of information, Peyton, involves your realm of the college basketball landscape recruiting news. Stanford, for the second year in a row, picks up a top recruit, a five-star kid. Peyton, tell everybody who Stanford's bringing in for the Cardinal next year. They bring year. in five-star Harrison Ingram. Committed to Stanford. Huge commitment for Stanford. Um, Ingram's a very good player. Um, very athletic. Can score. Can defend. And great com- commitment for Stanford. He's that, coming in next year. 2021 class. Yeah, that is two years in a row Stanford's picked up a five-star. Things might be a changing over there. We'll see. In Stanford land. But enough of that. You kind of caught up on the wraparound, Peyton. We're here to do two things today. Preview the ACC and preview the Big 12. I say we jump right over to the East Coast and start with the Atlantic Coast Conference. Some looking back at last year, kind of like we did with the Big 10. Got to look back to go forward sometimes. Couple notes on last year, Peyton. The Florida State Seminoles, your reigning ACC champs, going 16-4 in conference. Did not lose a game at home last year. 16-0. The job... We talked off-air yesterday when we were kind of studying and previewing. There's two coaches in America I've stopped doubting. And they're both in this conference. I've stopped doubting Leonard Hamilton. And I've stopped doubting Tony Bennett. It doesn't matter at this point whether they have great teams on paper or so-so teams. It's supposed to be a good year or down year. They're going to find a way by the end of the year. Their clubs are going to be in contention. Florida State had a tremendous year last year. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you mentioned an undefeated streak at home, which is, like, very tough to do, especially in a stat conference like the ACC was. Very top-heavy with teams like Louisville, who's obviously very good, Duke, um, Virginia, they're coming on very late there. But, yeah, Tony Bennett and Lennon Hamilton's the two coaches. Like, I just terrifies me to play every time that we play against them because I know they're going to give us a win for our money. Um, and last year they swept Louisville, Florida State did. Uh, beat us at home pretty good. I think it beat us for like 15 or more and then we went to Fort State and got our asses whooped again um, So yeah, them winning the conference was no surprise to me really just how talented of a, co- of a coach Hamilton is and he had a really good team and it's gonna be no different this year Speaking of Virginia, they ended the season as the hottest team in the conference winning their last eight games in a row it might have been a good thing that the there wasn't an NCAA tournament played because it seemed Virginia was finally on the right path. Yeah, I mean, they're still the reigning, defending, undisputed champs of college basketball. Um, they definitely put it on there late, got it clicking, struggled early. I'm just very happy Louisville ended up getting that dub and Yum Center. And thank God. Finally snapped your streak. Finally snapped. Them. It was a long, hard-fought streak, and we finally snapped it. And I'm very happy about that. Obviously, they beat us in the last game of the year at Virginia. But yeah, they started to catch on fire there lately, started to put together, and luckily there wasn't no ACC tournament, because I would probably pick them to win there, either them or Florida State, yeah. and that would have been a fun, hard-fought game, very defensive. Um, but yeah, those two teams last year was pretty damn good. 
Yeah, so eight teams finished 500 better in the conference last year. Florida State, Louisville, Duke, Virginia, Georgia Tech, North Carolina State, Notre Dame, and Syracuse all finished 500 or better. Who did not finish 500 or better? Historically bad. North Carolina, 6-14 and 14 in conference, 14-19 and 19 overall. They were poised to miss the tournament for the first time in about 10 years. And the first time in such a long time that we've seen North Carolina this bad. And they shouldn't have been. No. At the beginning of the year, remember, they were pretty good in the battle for Atlantis. Michigan put it on them. But they were okay, and then ever since they got home from that, they just, like, collapsed. And then injuries didn't help <clears> them with Cole Anthony. He tried to gut it out, but Peyton, they couldn't score the ball. No. It's not, we spoke how many times on the podcast last year, how often did we ever see, or did we ever think that North Carolina, under especially in Roy Williams, couldn't score the ball? They couldn't get in transition, they couldn't score, they just couldn't do nothing last year. No, they couldn't get any fluid offense at all, and it was kind of shocking because everybody knows, especially going into the season, how big I was on Cole Anthony. Probably my favorite player that wasn't in a Louisville uniform. Uh, I've said that multiple times last year. And even though he had a pretty good season, he tried to put the team on his back. Injuries definitely did not help him or Carolina at all. I thought him and Big Cot, who I thought would play better than what he played last year, but he didn't. I thought those two would be a nice one-two duo there, be able to push the pace, we get out and rebound and run that North Carolina style. But, yeah, they just could not score, couldn't get any fluidity in the offense. And I just – surprising me. Yeah. Garrison Bush was, like, the only person that actually, like, played well, like, game, like every game for North Carolina, uh, besides maybe Cole Anthony. But, yeah. This year, they're most likely be a lot better than what they were last year. Yeah, right? I mean, you would hope so if you're a Carolina fan. I know Conrad and Sam and Summer are crossing their fingers like, we can't take another season. Like this that. is like uncertain territory for me because I don't actually remember last time Carolina was this bad. It's been I don't about remember. It, 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 not the, they weren't even this bad the year they've been to NIT because um, that was like 2009-ish. Um, the, right, the year right after they won the title, the John Wall freshman year. But... Even then, they made the NIT and made a little run. Carolina wasn't even going to make the NIT last year because you have to be at least 500 to make the NIT. Yeah, I don't remember in my lifetime Carolina being this bad. But hopefully they can turn it around because I mentioned last year, or not last year, last week, like I want all the Blue Bloods to do well. And obviously Carolina's a Blue Blood that normally does well, but last year, I guess, hey, just one new year. Maybe this year will be better. Yeah, so looking at uh, awards for last season, Peyton, Duke sophomore Trey Jones voted the 2020 ACC Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. Any thoughts on that? I know I predicted him for the Defender of the Year. I did not pick him for ACC Player of the Year. But, yeah, no doubt in my mind. Um, my I biggest for Defensive Player of the Year. My well. biggest concern coming into the season for Trey Jones was could, could he score the ball? Because I thought he would have to, especially since coming into the last season, he didn't have Zion, he didn't have Cam Rush, and he didn't have RJ Barrett to rely on. He was going to be the main focus on the offense. And even though his, his three-point percentage wasn't, like, the greatest, it's definitely improved. He improved his assist numbers from last year or the year before that. Yeah, um, 6.4. He averaged 16.2 points, 6.4 assists a game. Yeah, his three-point percentage got a little bit better. He's obviously a very high-level defender. Um, I was a big fan of him last year, and he definitely played really well. And it does not surprise me he was the ACC player of the year because he definitely deserved it for the year that he had. Freshman of the year in the ACC last year, we both had Cole Anthony, but I think the combination of Carolina being so bad, injuries, 
Duke's Vernon Carey Jr. was the runaway pick for the ACC Rookie of the Year, claiming 70 of the 75 votes for the award. The native of Southwest Ranches, Florida, is was averaging seven or average, I guess, at this point, 17.8 points, 8.8 rebounds per game for Duke. He also shot 57.7% from the field for the Blue Devils while leading Duke in scoring and rebounding. He owned 15 double-doubles a season, second most nationally among freshmen, and is and it was a finalist for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar worth the nation's top center. Peyton, Vernon Carey had a tremendous year last year. At one point, I thought he was the best center in college basketball. Before uh, Luke Geiser started to play well, and before Doak, I thought he was the best center in the nation. Um, no surprise here. He definitely deserved freshman of the year. But I'm just putting this out there. If David Johnson would play all year for Louisville, I'd gave him the honor. I agree with that. I agree. Um, looking at the first team, all ACC from last year. Vernon Carey, Jordan Nora from Louisville, John Mooney from Notre Dame, a walking double-double. Trey Jones from Duke, of course, and Elijah Hughes from Syracuse. Um, looking at ours last year, our preseason predictions, or at least mine, I had Nwora, I had Coyne, Vernon Carey, Markel Johnson, and Xavier Johnson. So I actually only had two of the five correct. I think I had, I definitely had Nora, I had Trey Jones, I had Vernon Carey, I had Cole Anthony, and I don't remember who my fifth one is. I actually had, for player of the year prediction last year too, Jordan Nora. Yeah, I thought, right. we all did. Can we talk Jordan Nora just real quick? I know we spoke a lot of him last year, but in big games, I thought he disappeared awful. Like against Kentucky, he never played well. Against... Virginia's or Duke, especially Duke, it seemed like he just kind of faded away, and he let guy like David Johnson have to carry him. But against teams that they're supposed to hammer, like a Georgia Tech or somebody, yeah, he put up thirty-five. I, I just thought he just, I, I guess I expected more out of him last year. Yeah, we especially all us Louisville fans, we definitely expected more out of him. Yes, and it's not like he had like a terrible year. He definitely played well against like the teams like Georgia Tech. I mean, when he put up thirty against Florida State after we got beat by I think Texas Tech. Uh, or whoever we got beat by, Georgia Tech or something like that, he put up 30 against Fort State. That's actually like a big-time game for him, which I think that was one of my big ones I got like last year, him putting up 30 against yep. them. But, yeah, he definitely could have played a lot better. I don't blame him for the loss against Kentucky because there's so much going into that game. Like, if we would hit free throws, we would have won that game, just plain and simple. But if he would play like he played against like a Georgia Tech, a Wake Forest, all year round against big-time opponents like Kentucky, like Virginia, like Duke, Carolina, etc. Then I think we could have won the national championship if we had it, um, if we had the tournament. But he had to play well, and unfortunately against the big opponents, he did not. Yeah, I agree. Looking back, Peyton, real quick, just to see how well we did on our predictions for the conference race. Louisville number one, obviously Florida State won the conference. We had Duke number two, obviously Virginia was number two. We had UNC three. We were completely off on that. Uh, who actually I had to pull this up. Third was Louisville, Louisville. actually. Um, real life Duke was four. We had Virginia at four. We had Florida State five. Georgia Tech was five. We had NC State six. NC State was six. We got that one. Got one. Um, we had Notre Dame seven. Notre Dame was seven. Got two. We had Clemson eight. Syracuse eight. We had Miami 9, Syracuse 9. We had Syracuse 10, Clemson 10. We literally had those three flip-flopped. Yeah. So we were close. We had Wake Forest 11. Wake Forest finished dead last, tied with North Carolina. Trash. Um, so we were just kind of, we got like, what, two right? A yeah, couple of right. them flip-flopped, and the rest we were pretty bad off. But, again, 
who was to know North Carolina was going to be that bad? Nobody. Nobody. And who, honest to God, with Virginia Tech finishing last, they went 7-13 last year, and they were hot at the beginning of the year. Remember, they beat Michigan State and Maui. Mm-hmm. They played well. They played Dayton well. Yeah. Um, they, they did really good under first-year man. Yep. So, that was that. We weren't the best in ACC last year, but it happens. Moving on to this year, Peyton. This is what we're here for. You want to do our official predictions first, or do you want to do awards first? Go to awards. I will let you take the honors. Peyton, at the end of this year, the ACC Player of the Year is... Coming from the Miami Hurricanes, and his name is Chris Likes. Chris Likes is like one of my favorite players, obviously, that's not in lower uniform. Um, he's a fantastic player. He's a small guard, which I obviously connect with like small guards like... Um, Tyler Ewis from Kentucky about like three or four years ago, like um, everybody else that's small, like um, oh my God, what's his dude from Campbell? What was his name? Oh, our boy Chris Clemens. Chris, yeah, Chris Clemens, like him, who's a small guard. I saw it's been a while since I said his name, but Chris likes is a fantastic player. He can score, he can shoot the ball, he gets a little bit, of, he can defend a little bit, but I think that he's upcoming for a big time year this year for Miami. And he is my player of the year. Chris Likes from Miami. I think that's a good one. I really do. Uh, Chris Likes, he was actually, if you look back at my awards from last year, he was my most underrated player in the conference. So I, I fully agree with that. But, Peyton, without trying to spoil too much, I do always like the theory of the best team normally has the best player in a lot of cases. So my player of the year is a transfer from Marquette mm. playing eligible now for Virginia. Got to practice all year last year for him. Big man in the middle, Sam Hauser. I think he's going to really be a key in this really good Virginia team. The way they defend, he scores inside with both hands, could step out and hit. He's not really a three-point shooter per se, but he can step out and hit some you know deep ones off pick and pop kind of deals. You leave him open. I like Sam Hauser, Peyton. I think he's going to average a double-double this year. I can see him averaging like 14 and 10. And he's going to play on one of the better teams in the nation, let alone the conference. I like Sam Hauser winning the – and he's an experienced guy. That helps. It's not like a freshman or maybe a sophomore who hasn't played that much. Very experienced guy. Played for a good program in Marquette. I like Sam Hauser being a player of the year in the ACC this year. That's a good pick, and I do like Sam Hauser. But if I was going to go with anyone from Virginia, it would be Kihei Clark. Speaking of Kihei Clark, moving on to Defensive Player of the Year. You kind of said his name. I thought that was a good segue. My Defensive Player of the Year, Peyton – it's hard to go against a guy from Virginia. He's playing point guard. He's a straw that stirs a drink. He's a small, you talk about small guards. He's a small guard that just annoys the crap out of you. I think Kihei Clark's going to be your defensive player of the year. My defensive player of the year stays in Virginia as well. It's that pack on defense, but he's in the main in the middle. His name's Jay Huff. Seven-foot center. He's going to block shots. He's going to protect their limb. And he's going to do everything for that pack line defense. He's going to be a key factor for Virginia and their success. Moving forward to the ACC, Jay Huff is my defensive player of the year. Peyton, freshman year, this is one of those conferences here, especially lately, have always got tremendous five, four-star talent, NBA prospects. I'll let you lead off. You get first at bat on this one. Listen, freshman of the year in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Even though Duke has like a lot of very talented freshmen, um, I'm going with Florida State. I'm going with Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes was a top 15 recruit coming in this year. He's going to run the offense for Florida State. He's going to be a fantastic player, two-way wing, and I think he's going to 
do put up big time numbers for Florida State for this year, ACC, and in the tournament. So freshman of the year goes to Scotty Barnes from Florida State. I love Scotty Barnes as a pick, but I'm going. We this is a kid we've actually seen in person play um, at the Nike EYBL. Was very impressed with him. And long, athletic, can be a combo guard, but probably going to be playing out in the wing for Duke. Can score. I think he needs to improve his three ball slightly to play at Duke, but it shouldn't be an issue for him. Can attack the rim. Will defend. Already got a, a pretty mature body going in as a freshman. Peyton, I'm going with Jalen Johnson from Duke. I think this – we watched him play, and he was he was spectacular. Yeah. So. Um, okay, you're good. Most, I don't know what that would Most like. improved player. I'm sticking with the Dukies. He was a five-star kid coming in last year. Struggled shooting the ball. He was known for his jump shot. He was known to be a pick and pop at 6'8", 6'9". Kid from Minnesota, he's got to prove something this year, Peyton. I don't expect him to shoot that bad again. He did have glimpses. Well, I'm not going to say he didn't. But I fully expect Matthew Hurt to shine this year, to be a lot better, because he has to. He has too much talent. I thought he struggled all year last year, uh, with the exception of some bright spots. I think my most improved player this year would be Matthew Hurt from Duke. That's a good pick, but my most improved player of the year goes to Louisville, and his name is Samuel Williamson. Only reason I pick him because he was a five-star freshman coming in last year. He played some. He played some decent minutes. Probably got like ten to fifteen minutes per game. Obviously, we had a stacked uh, team. We had a deep team coming in for last year, so we didn't really get too much like a. He didn't really get too much of the ball because guys like Jordan Miller was playing ahead of him, Dwayne Sutton. But he's going to have to have a big-time year this year. He only averaged like five points per game last year. Um, he's going to have to be able to shoot the ball better. He's going to have to be able to defend. I think he's going to be a star player. And typically, especially here recently, like the last five years, players who come in for like a come return for a sophomore year, like Jordan Miller, like Taylor Rozier, like Donovan Mitchell, normally has a big-time year for Louisville. And I hope nothing – I hope same success for Samuel Williamson. So I think he's going to be the most improved player. You know how much I love. I really like Samuel Williamson's game. I think he's big time. Peyton, the most underrated player in the conference this year? Uh, I'm going to Duke. Uh, it may shock some people, but I like defensive ability. I like people who can defend at a high level and can score a little bit. My most underrated player goes to Duke, and his name is Jordan Goldwire. Uh, a couple years ago, his was a soft. He's a senior now, so I guess a sophomore yeah. year. When they played Louisville, he's like a big time factor in that comeback. He's playing defensive, playing in that like two two one or two two one plus with Trey Jones up there with him. And he was just creating havoc. He's a very good defender. Um, could maybe win Defensive Player of the Year too if I didn't pick Jay Huff. He's a definitely a candidate for that. But listen, you got to be able to defend, especially if you're playing against teams like Louisville, playing against teams like Forest State who can score. You're going to have to be able to defend. He's no different. I'd take him on my team any day. Some guy who can defend and score a little And bit. he plays hard. Yes. I, I agree with that. And he's, he's underrated, I think, shooting a three ball. Yeah. Um, I like that pick. I think mine, the most underrated player, and you've talked about him, and he's going to shine this year if Louisville's going to do any good. But he came on last year, Peyton David Johnson. I still don't think he gets the love that he deserves. I thought he carried, not necessarily carried, that might be too strong. I thought he was Louisville's best player down the stretch. And you alluded to it. But behind a guy like Jordan Orr and behind all the talent that you see in the ACC from the Dukes, Virginia, North Carolinas, I think David Johnson was still kind of under the radar. I think by the end of this year, people are going to know his name for sure. I can see him average double figures. I can see him averaging double, or maybe not double-digit assists, but six, seven assists, a steal and a half a game. 
shooting 35 40% from three. I think he's that type of player. And I think if Louisville is going to be as good as I think they are this year, uh, David Johnson starts that. Obviously, of course, I'm going to love that pick. Uh, David Johnson definitely helped us, especially in that Duke win when he first started. Like He definitely helped. Helped had like 20 points and like eight assists or some shit like that. He played very well, especially late on the season. And that's why I said if he played the whole season, I think he would have won the freshman of the year, or at least I'd predict him. I'd pick him for the freshman of the year category. But if we had the best playmaker award, then he definitely won that by a mile. This might be too high of a place for him, just how great of a legend Magic Johnson is, but I see a lot of Magic Johnson and David Johnson. Probably because they're both like very tall for a point guard. Magic Johnson was like 6'8", or something yeah. like that. Uh, um, David Johnson, 6'5". Very good vision. Um, his passing ability is elite, and he's like the best playmaker, probably in college basketball, coming back this year, or coming in this year, too. So, he's definitely a fantastic player, and obviously love that pick. Yeah. Um, first team all ACC, Peyton, in my eyes, is going to be Sam Hauser from Virginia, David Johnson, Louisville, Chris Likes, Miami, Garrison Brooks, North Carolina, Wendell Moore from Duke. I have Garrison Brooks, I have Scotty Barnes, I have Chris Likes, Kihei Clark, and David Johnson. Fair enough. Now let's get into the official ECB 2020-21 ACC predictions. Let's start like we do normally from the bottom on up. Peyton, I, in the 15th spot, it's going to be another struggle. They lose a lot again. A new coach coming in. Danny Manning's out. Steve Forbes is in. Peyton... Wake Forest, to me, is going to struggle. It's going to be another tough year in Winston-Salem. They lose um, they lose Saar. They lose Oliver Saar. He obviously transferred to Kentucky. They lose Brandon Childers, who averaged almost 16 a game. They lose Adrian White, 9 a game. They lose Chandry Brown, 12 a game. They, you know, they lose a lot and don't bring a lot in, Peyton, and they have a new head coach. Struggle city for Wake Forest. They're finishing dead last. I only have them winning three conference games, going 3-17. and 17. I didn't give him. A, I didn't do records for this. I should have, but um, Wake Forest is definitely last for me as well. There's just no question. Liv- losing Olivier Saw to Kentucky was a big time loss for them. Seven, se- seven foot center, thirteen point seven points per game, and like nine rebounds per game. It's a big piece for them. New coach coming in. It's definitely gonna be a tough year for them. Top of my head, I haven't won four. I'll give them the benefit of that. I haven't won four games. Yeah, it's going to be nice. It's going to be struggle. Peyton, moving on up, who do you have finished in 14th? I have Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, I know at the top of my head, loses Trey McGowans, who's a big time uh, piece for them last year. Picks, Pittsburgh finished 6 and 14. They was tied for 13th with Wake Forest. 16 and 7 overall record. Um, let me look. They got Xavier Johnson, who's a junior, who can distribute and who can score. Average 11.7 points per game, uh, 3.7 rebounds per game, and 5 assists per game. They bring in Noah Kalir, who's a 3-star guard, um, who is definitely versatile and definitely can score as well. They bring in some pieces. John Hooley's freshman, definitely another good uh, piece coming in. I think he's actually a 4, 3 or 4-star if I remember correctly. Uh, don't quote me on that, though. Uh, but losing to Trey McGowan's, it's going to be a tough year for them. I haven't won five conference games. Yeah, 14th, Peyton, I have Boston College going 5-15. and 15. I just don't see a whole lot from the Boston College Golden Eagles. Peyton, 13th, I have Pittsburgh. I'm kind of the same boat as you. I have them slightly better than Boston College, though, because of Xavier Johnson. He was a guy last year I had as a first-team all-conference guy. 
Um, so that for that reason, I think he can will him to an extra game or two. But 13th, it's another bad year for Pitt. I just don't know if Jeff Capel can get it going there. I really don't. I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of Jeff Capel as well, by the way. But I, I agree with you. Uh, my 13th, we flip-flopped 13 and 14. I got Boston College. Obviously, Boston College is losing out on a bunch of scoring with Derek Thornton averaging 13, uh, roughly 13 points per game. They lose him. Lose Nick Popovic, 10.5 points per game. J.S. Hamilton, 9.5 points per game. And Jared Hamilton, 7.8 points per game. They lose a lot. It's definitely going to be a tough year for them. But they also bring back Jay Heath, who's a sophomore coming in this year. Average 13-1. Bring back some guys, but lose a lot. Definitely going to be a rough year for them. I have them winning uh, five conference games. I still have the same thing as uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Who got number 12? Number 12 going to South Bend. Yeah, we have Indiana. the same number 12, by the way. I got the nerded, the fighting Irish of Notre Dame. If this is women's basketball, you think I'm crazy. Because they obviously have a really good women's team. Um, they lose John Mooney, who averaged 16.2 points per game and 12.7 rebounds. Yeah, per I took game. his walking double double. Walking double double. Lose TJ Gibbs, 13.3 points per game. Rex Pfluger, 5.2 points per game. They was ninth in scoring defense. They couldn't really defend as well. Um, very mediocre. They finished 10 and 10, so they finished 500. Um, 20 and 12 overall record. They had a decent year this year. Let me see who they bring back, if they bring back like any worthy pieces. The Princess Hub is basically their, their number one guy coming back. Oh, yeah, 12.1 points per game, 5.1 assists per game. Yeah, it, it's going to be a struggle in South Bend. We both have the same at number 12. I think here, this is going to be, I was talking about the middle of the conference. I think from 6 to 11 is where we get at where they can kind of flip-flop. I think they're going to be within a couple games of each other. Um, I think this is where it gets real interesting in the ACC. Peyton, my number 11 is Georgia Tech. I know Georgia Tech brings back Alvarado back. The point guard brings back some experience. Remember, they were going to be suspended from the tournament last year regardless. So they kind of miss out on their suspension, Georgia Tech. I don't I don't want to say they're going to be that bad. But at the same time, I haven't finished 11th at 7 and 13. But like I also just mentioned, if you told me at the end of the year they finished 7th and they're around 500... I would say that's fine too, but for uh, for argument, say I have Georgia Tech going to be an eleventh. I don't buy into, you know, I, like I said, I know Alvarado is coming back. I know he's a good player, but Georgia Tech to me is finishing eleven, seven and thirteen in conference. That's fair. My number eleventh is Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech last year had a terrible. I mean, besides the Michigan State win, they really didn't have a good year at all. 16 and 16 overall record, 7 and 13 in the ACC, tied for 10th. Obviously, they lose their big time star, Landis Noli, the third or second, my bad. He's going to Memphis, which, spoiler alert, Memphis is going to be very good, by yeah, the way. Yeah, um, But, for, oh, not for say, Virginia Tech brings back three stars. They bring back Cartier Dier, 6'4 senior, Kansas State transfer, or no, sorry, one person, but they bring in Kansas State transfer, Cartier Dier. 13.3 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game. Like I mentioned, they bring back three starters, which is one of the names, Tyrese Ratford. 10.2 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game. They got a lot of experience coming back. They only got like two freshmen and like a couple sophomores. The rest are like juniors and seniors. I have them winning six games. Yeah, uh, number 10, I have North Carolina State. Uh, I think 
that there are some expectations again this year. I think the heat is on definitely down there in Raleigh, North Carolina, or Kevin Keats. I thought that they had some good moments last season, but they are losing Markel Johnson, their number one player, their biggest NBA prospect. They're losing C.J. Bryce 13 points a game as well. They are bringing back Braxton Beverly, a sharp shooting wing. He, uh, he can absolutely fill it up from deep. I just don't... I'm not sold on the Wolfpack. Peyton, they are always... They seem like they've been one of those teams where they'll sneak up and upset somebody and then turn around and lose by 30 and a blowout to Wake Forest. I just... I don't trust them. I have them finishing 10th. I have them going 9 and 11. And that's really all i got to say about that. My 10th spot goes to South Carolina Clemson Tigers. Clemson finished 9 and 11th. 16-15 overall record. They lose five people, but the most notable one, they lose former five-star, former Alabama star Tevin Mack, who averaged 12.2 points per game. Big-time loss for them. They bring in a four-star top South Carolina recruit, P.J. Hall, 6'10 freshman. He can post up and he can shoot three, so he can stretch it out. Very nice for them. They bring back Nick Honor, who's a junior, 5'10". Um, he's a four-ham transfer, 15.3 points per game, three assists per game. Definitely going to run the four for them. I have them winning eight games. Uh, you talked about number nine for me moving on up the list, Peyton. You just mentioned them. I have Virginia Tech. Losing Landers and Ollie is going to hurt. But I thought after year one with, um, oh, crap, what is their name? What's his, their coach's name? White um, came from... Uh, came from Wofford. Can't even think of his name right now. But I, I'm the same way with you and Virginia Tech. I think they're going to be so-so. And actually, just sneak peek number eight, because you just mentioned Clemson. I have them both going 10-10, and 10, splitting the regular season series between them. I have Clemson 8 and Virginia Tech 9. Mike Young? Mike Young. What did I say White? Mike Young. I was thinking Mike White from Florida. Mike Young, <laughs> coached at Wofford. Uh, but anyways, uh, 8. Clemson, 9, Virginia Tech, both going 10 and 10 in conference. Uh, my number 9 is NC State. Uh, you mentioned Marco Johnson. They lost. It's obviously a big time, very good score for them. Uh, lose CJ Bryce. Um, that's roughly by like 25 points per game And between those two. Uh, just don't bring enough back. I mean, Cam Hayes, he's a four-star um, who can facilitate, he can score, and he can defend the well as well. Um, I have them winning. I think they'll finish above 500. I think they'll, finish, I think they'll win 10 games. Uh, my number eight is Georgia Tech. Um, let me switch to Georgia Tech real quick. I know a lot of people. Yep, I know a lot of people's high on Georgia Tech, especially in the Lenny's magazine. They have them, I think, top five actually. Um, but I'm just not sold on them, not yet at least. Uh, what did you manage they finished last year? Georgia Tech in the conference. Oh God, hold on, let me pull that back. Oh wait, I got it. What am I talking about? They finished fifth in the conference. Oh, okay. Eleven and nine, seventeen, fourteen overall record. Um, you mentioned uh, Jose Alvarado yeah. coming back, senior, 14.4 points per game. Uh, Moses Wright, who's a starter, returning starter, another senior. Very experienced coming back. They got a lot of seniors coming back, so they're very, they'll be very uh, experienced. Um, I have them winning 12 games. Wow, okay. Um, and you have them as, what, number eight? Yeah, number eight. Number seven, it looks like, number actually number six? And seven, we both have the same, so we can talk at the same time. Number seven, we have Syracuse. Number six, we have Miami. I think this is right here. This is where it cuts off. 
The top seven. Now, if you wanted to rank them in tier, in my opinion, Peyton, the top, the top one, the top one and two are one tier. Three, four, and five are second tier. I think six, seven are third tier, and then eight, eight to about eleven are fourth tier, and then twelve to fifteen is the absolute low tier. I think we're talking about right here with six and seven. I think it's that middle tier that could sneak up and win some games that they're not supposed to win because they have enough talent and coaching, but could also lose games that they shouldn't lose, and that's why they're going <clears> to <throat> hover around this spot. But if they both make the tournament, they could easily win a game or two. I think that's why we both have Miami six, Syracuse seven. Peyton Miami, we talked about it, led with your potential player of the year, Chris Likes. He's a bucket getter, maybe the best scorer in in this league coming back this year. Possibility. You talk about scoring. Miami averaged seventy one point two points a game last year, ninth in the conference, hundred seventy second NCA. But I think that's going to be elevated this year. Peyton, they do bring in Earl Timberlake, an imposing rim crunching wing, six six freshman, brings an intensity and physicality that Miami has been missing. The top fifty prospect has the makeup of an instant impact freshman. And, to me, you bring in Jim Laranega back as a head coach. He is 190 and 113 in nine years at Miami. You don't see that kind of winning at Miami. That's why I think that Miami could really be interesting this year. They also bring in Cincinnati starter, who started for Cincinnati last year after transferring. Uh, Nisler Brooks, 6'11 center. I think Miami could be one of the more interesting teams in the conference. The reason I pick Miami 6 and not flip-flop Syracuse and like pick Syracuse 6 and Miami 7 is because Miami has, I think, what the play of the, the potential play of the year is going to be in Chris Likes. And they got four-star Earl Timberlake, who's a top 40 prospect coming in, who can defend and he can score as well. Uh, those two alone is why I picked them ahead of Syracuse. Real quick about Syracuse, if there's any Syracuse fans listening, I know Connor Cushman who's a Syracuse fan as well as a North Carolina fan. Um, I think Syracuse needs to leave the ACC and go back to the Big East because they are not going to do well in the ACC. The, all they are is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, all they are is going to be mid-pack. And I don't think they'll ever be in like the top four category in the ACC. Just too loaded, too stacked, too tough for them. Um, even though there's in like the really good conference of the Big East, they at least competed in that, and they won like a bunch of the Big East titles and stuff like that. But as far as this year, that's the reason I have them seventh. They lose Eli Hughes, 19 points per game, five rebounds per game. They finished 10 and 10 last year. Um, Here's why I think, and I don't mean to cut you off. Here's why I think that? Syracuse could be interesting this year. They bring Illinois former starter in the backcourt that I forgot to mention a couple weeks ago, Alan Griffin. Um, he transferred into Syracuse. That's going to help. They bring back. Um, Frank Anselm, or bring in Frank Anselm, uh, a top four, or a four-star recruit, 6'10 freshman. They bring back Joe Girard III, who can absolutely snipe it. They bring back Buddy Bayheim, which is, of course, Jim Bayheim's son, who can absolutely snipe it. He averaged 15.3 last year, and he's shooting well over 40% from three. I think if you look at the size of this team, too, Peyton, not only with the experience and the way they shoot, 6'5", 6'7", 6'10", 6'7", 6'8", 6'10", 6'1", 6'11", 6'7", 6'10", 6'10", 6'6". Nobody's shorter than 6'1", going against that that Syracuse zone. I think Syracuse could be poised as long as they can create turnovers from that zone 
and shoot the ball well from deep. I think Syracuse can be poised to be real dangerous this year. Here's the thing about Syracuse, and you mentioned the 2-3 zone. It's normally, like, very tough to, like, score against a 2-3 zone. But I feel like a team's, like, Tony Bennett's um, Virginia Cavaliers and Duke and, like, a bunch of other teams, I feel like they're starting to figure out how to play against the 2-3 zone. Because last year, Syracuse was 10th in the ACC um, in points allowed last year. Average, they allowed, like, 69.3 points per game. And it's definitely a departure because usually that makes it – they usually make an excruciation for teams to score in the 2-3 zone. But I feel like teams are starting to figure out now maybe it's not as good as it once was. Or maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe they just had a bad year. But I have Syracuse 7th. I have Miami 6th. Yeah, I think that's fair. We have the same thing. Now, this is where things get real interesting. These top five, you can – I think – I think the winner is different. But I think 2 through 5 can really be flip-flopped. Peyton, fifth, I have Florida State, the reigning defending champs. I think Florida State's going to be tremendous. Let me say that again. Tremendous. Scotty Barnes and company are coming in. But I think along the way, they're not going to be as deep early because you think they're losing two guys to the lottery in the NBA draft this year. They, They have two guys that are projected in the lottery this past year. Um... But I think Florida State's still going to be really good. I have them finishing fifth, going 14-6, and six, just a couple games off. I'm telling you, they're still going to be – they may finish fifth in the conference, but they're going to be really good by the end of the year. My fifth-place team is my very own Louisville Cardinals. Um, the reason I have them, I guess you'd say low, is I'm kind of not high on Louisville, but I'm not low on Louisville. I'm kind of like in the middle between them. Because last year, I'll say we was very deep, very talented, and I'll say I predict us to win the ACC, ultimately end up finishing third. I just don't want to get too high on this Louisville team because I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty coming into this year. I mean, we bring in Carla Jones, who's one of like the top transfers coming in. Uh, he shot forty, roughly about 41% from three last year, averaged 20 points per game, five and a half assists per game. Uh, we bring in Charles Melind from San Francisco, who led a 22, who won 22 games in San Francisco. Um, he averaged 14 and a half points per game, 4.7 rebounds per game. Those are two big time pieces we're bringing in. Um, bringing back David Johnson, who's I think the best playmaker in college basketball. Uh, bringing in DeAndre Davis, who we see him play in the Lawrence North versus Lawrence Central game yep. last year. By far, like the best high school atmosphere I've ever been a part of, besides maybe like when Edward won sectionals. Um, Aiden and Gagnon, I feel like he's going to have to do more. He's obviously a big-time athletic player who needs to be able to rebound. He only averaged one point per game, 1.3 runs per game, but that's due to the fact that we had Malik Williams and Stephen Enoch. Speaking of Malik Williams, I know he got injured last season, like the second half of the year, and did not get to play. He is the heart and soul of this Louisville basketball team. He is going to be a team captain, 100%. He was the team captain last year. He is going to control the whole team. He is the heart and soul. Josh Nickelberry is a big-time prospect who needs to score, and he can defend at a high level as well. Overall, not going too in-depth. Jalen Withers, by the way, he redshirted last year, who was a part of that freshman class. I feel like he can be a big-time opponent for Louisville. Just too much uncertainty for me to like pick them like top three or even top four so that's why I'm picking but they do have potential they definitely have if we play if we we can play like towards our potential I feel like we can probably win the ACC 
Maybe probably finish second because my winner. Yeah, I think it's everybody's fighting for it's second. It's going to be tough, yeah. Yeah, uh, fourth. Looks like we have very... We, we've kind of flip-flopped everything here, two through five. That's how deep this is. Fourth for me, Peyton, in a nice bounce back. They absolutely needed it. Tied with my third-place team, which would be Louisville. I do have Louisville finishing third, by the way. But going 15-5 and five with the cards, finishing in fourth due to a tiebreaker difference. North Carolina, Tar Heels, Peyton, North Carolina... You know, obviously losing, I almost said Greg Anthony, losing um, Cole Anthony, but they do bring back a potential player of the year candidate in Garrison Brooks. Peyton, they bring back a top recruiting class. You're are arguably one of your favorite freshmen coming in. Yeah, um, Caleb Love. Caleb Love to take over that point guard spot. Let me flip to the North Carolina stuff right here. Uh, North Carolina. Oh, they also did lose Brandon Robinson, who averaged double digits for me, Christian Keeling. But North Carolina, Peyton, they bring back Leaky Black, Anthony Harris, uh, Andrew Platt, or Platic, Armando Baycott, De'Ron Sharp, Walker Kessler in as a freshman. And then I mentioned Garrison Brooks, Peyton. North Carolina, though, I just, I'm not saying they can't, but they're going to have a deep team. I think it's a traditional Carolina team that should be able to get up and run. I think front court could be interesting. They have to get Walker Kessler up to speed early. Armando Baycott was good in spurts, but I don't think he played to his five-star status last year. Um, it'd be interesting. North Carolina was bad in transition last year. Struggled to score the ball. I think you can see them scoring close to 90 points a game this year. Back to where Carolina should be. I haven't finished the fourth in conference, and I already spoiled it. I have Louisville third for all the reasons you said, but I think they have enough talent. I know you have said question marks. I think Louisville has talent. I think they're well-coached. Their defensive identity is solid now under Chris Mack. He's going to continue to bring the cards onward and upward. I like David Johnson. I like Samuel Williamson. We, you talked about we've seen Deron, or, uh, DeAndre Davis from Lawrence Central. He's a kid. We've seen him early in that game against Lawrence North. Hit some big shots early, kind of faded. He needs to put some muscle on. But if you get him in the rotation – as a guy who can play 10, 12 minutes a game, he can knock some shots down, handle the ball. I like I like this Louisville team. I, I really like this Louisville team. I haven't finished in third. My fourth spot stays in North Carolina, but it's actually Duke. Duke Blue Devils, I have number four. Why? Is because I know they have like a top five, top three recruiting class coming in. It's the same old, same old for Coach Kaczewski. He brings in top recruits year in, year out. But me personally, I like when you have experience on your team with high-level freshmen coming in. And that's something that Duke does not have. They bring back one senior, one junior. Junior being Joey Baker and senior being Jordan Goldwater. Goldwire. The rest are freshmen and sophomore. They are very young, very inexperienced. But with that being said, they're still going to be talented because they bring in five-star Jalen Johnson, five-star DJ Stewart, five-star Jeremy Roach, five-star Jamin Brakefield, um, bring in Mark Williams, who's a seven-foot, 230-pound freshman, bring in Henry Coleman, the third, six, seven, four, ten, two hundred ten pounds freshman. Hey, Peyton, real quick. What's up? Of all the freshmen, who, who, who pisses you off the most? Oh, Jamie Blakefield. <laughs> I'm so pissed off about that, by the way. You put him on Louisville now, what top three team. Um, but the talent they do bring back, they bring back Wendell Moore, who's I think going to have a bigger role than we had last year. Um, I think he's going to be 
be playing better. Matthew Hood has to play better. I'm just going to put that out there. He's yeah. going to have to shoot the ball better than what he did last year. I know he averaged roughly about 10 points per game, but he's going to have to be a big-time scorer for them if they want to do well. Do you want to see the the sign of the changing times? People always looked at Duke as like this gold standard for college basketball and ethics, and their kids graduate, and they're, they're the holier they're now. You go through their roster, Peyton, Tell the folks how many seniors Duke has. Well, that's what I said. They have one senior, Jordan Goldwire. And how many junior. juniors do they have? One junior. Rest of freshmen and sophomores. Rest of freshmen and sophomores. And of all these people, who's coming back the following year, do you think? Uh, if you had to guess. If I had to guess, none of them. And do you think that anybody will say that Coach K is ruining college basketball in Duke? Like they do with Coach Cal in Kentucky. I mean, we will, but no one else won't. I just wanted to point that out. Duke's this gold standard of, we graduate our kids, and they're here for the academics. And you look at this roster, they have one junior, one senior, rest freshman, sophomore. They're going to r- turn over that roster for 2021-2022. I just wanted to point that out. I've seen Kentucky um, have, like, obviously big-time freshmen coming in. And definitely not be like too expansive, but I've never seen it like they won't have one senior, one junior, the rest freshman, sophomore. That's just crazy. Even the year that Kentucky won the championship, I mean, you had who else? You had, you had Darius Miller was a senior. Darius Miller, I mean, you had talent coming back, um, who was definitely experienced. And the whole thing is like, you what is it like? It's like you don't reload, you restart, or something like that. I don't remember what the yeah, quote yeah, is. Yeah. Um, um, Oh, God. I don't remember what the quote is, but... We don't rebuild, we reload. Yeah, that's it. You don't rebuild, you reload. It's the same thing Duke's doing. One junior, one senior, less freshman, one sophomore. But they, the only thing, and we can go to big tangent because we have before, but because Coach K, they get praised. Coach Cal gets vilified. It's just not fair. I just want to point out the cold, hard facts of that. Even though, even though I think Coach K is the GOAT, I don't think he should be put on like his pedestal above everyone else. I feel like he, everybody should be treated the same, but that's no here and no there. Moving on to my number three, uh, I think you had them, what, fifth or something like that? Yeah, fifth. The reigning, defending ACC champions is the Florida State Seminoles. Let me move on to Florida State. Uh, they bring in top 10, fifth, top 15 recruit, five-star, my freshman of the year, Scotty Barnes. Bring back Raquan, or oh, he's a junior college transfer, Raquan Evans, played 29 games. Um, they bring in Raquan Gray, who made 24 starts. Uh, who else? obviously they lose obviously big time players in Devin Vassell and Trent Forrest NBA talent level. Yep. Um, twelve point seven points per game for Vassell and eleven point six points per game for Trent Forrest. Um, who else? They, obviously they bring in like a shit ton of seven footers. No surprise there. Yeah, they're they're big on those. They'll still be able to score, but most importantly, they're going to be able to defend. Uh, it's normally hit Leonard Hamilton teams. Obviously, won the ACC last year. I don't see any difference. You mentioned it at the top of the show. You cannot doubt Leonard Hamilton anymore. That's why I'm putting them number three. I'm not sleeping on the Florida State Seminoles. Even though they probably had like a better team last year than what they will this year, I still think they're going to repeat. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, moving on, Peyton, real quick. Number two, for all the reasons you mentioned about Duke, is the reason why I have them finish in second because they do have a lot of talent. They have probably the most versatile wing combos you can throw at any team in college basketball with all those 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six wings that can play it between the two and the four if need be. They can get out and run. They should be able to defend well. That's why I have Duke number two. 
I'll let you go say your number two because we both have the same number one. And we can speak on that for a minute together. Number two is the North Carolina Tar Heels. A tremendous bounce back from last year's terrible, disastrous season finishing last. They're going to finish second this year. Why? Because Kale Love's coming in. He is going to run the offense. They bring back Anthony Harris. He is going to score the ball. Bring in Leaky Black. Unlike Duke, they are going to be very experienced, which is a team that Williams loves to have. Bringing talented freshmen, but also brings back a lot of pieces. And they probably, as far as the ACC goes, looking here, probably got the best front court in the ACC, if I had to guess. Garrison Brooks, ACC Player of the Year candidate. Um, bring in, or Walker Kelser's coming back, or coming in, excuse me. Uh, Daylon Shrump's coming in. Amanda Burkett's coming back. He needs to play better. Just saying. That's what I said. Um, as far as everyone else goes, Donovan Johnson, who's uh, Cam Johnson's brother, um, I feel like he can, Donovan Puff Johnson, I feel like if he can play up to the level Cam Johnson did, that's then why no I didn't question. recognize his name. I could always call him Puff. That's why when I seen Donovan, I was like, what? Yeah, his name's Donovan Puff Johnson. I think Puff might be his nickname or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's Cam Johnson's brother. Um, but I like this Carolina team. I actually really like this Carolina team. Just deep, talented. You got four. You got five star freshmen coming in, but you also got experience coming back. Uh, this Roy Williams team is going to do very good stuff, and I'm finishing second. So the number one team that's going to finish first in the ACC that could win the national championship again this year, they are back after a small break. They ended the year on an eight game win streak. We talked about the hottest team in the conference. Peyton, the beat goes on. We don't doubt Tony Bennett, who is now in his, well, in 11 years, going into his 12th, who's 277 and 96 with Virginia. He's not even lost 100 games yet, and he might not even get to 100 this year. I have him losing three in conference, but I, that could easily be lower than that. They will suffocate you on defense, Peyton. They lose Mama D. Diakite, and they lose Braxton Keat. Those are two huge pieces they lose. But you look at it, they bring back Kihei Clark. They bring in Jabril Abdul-Rahim, who can score. It even says high-scoring recruit is an athletic, skilled wing. They bring in a backup point guard to Kihei Clark. Could run at the two-guard with him. We've seen him in person. We talked to his grandmama. Reese Beekman, four-star kid. They bring in my player of the year, Sam Hauser, Marquette transfer. They bring back Casey Morsell, Caden Shedrick. Cody Statman. They bring back Jay Huff in the middle. They bring in sharp-shooting freshman Carson McCorkle, 6'3 guard. He might have to wait his turn, but if he gets in, he can hit from deep. And they bring back another guard, Thomas Woldenstays, who can stroke from three. Peyton, on paper, this team isn't going to blow you away talent-wise like Duke or Louisville or Florida State. But this is the perfect team for Tony Bennett. They will suffocate you defensively. They only gave up 57 points again. Or sorry, they only scored 57 points again. They only gave up 52. This is typical Virginia. They do need to improve three-point percentage. They only shot 30.3 last year towards the bottom of their conference. They only shot 72% from free throw. I expect that to go up. Peyton, Virginia is on another <coughs> level than anybody in the conference this year. I fully and firmly believe that. I tell you what, I'm glad you actually went first and covered everything I wanted to cover because as much as I think about it and much as I look at everything you just said and more I realize that everybody is 
bought coming into this year. Everybody <laughs> needs to get back in line because Virginia is back, and I absolutely hate it. <laughs> okay? Everybody is so fucked. Like, Virginia is going to run through everybody. They they got so much talent coming back. Kia Clark, you mentioned. They bring back three stars. Kia Clark, Jay Huff, uh, Thomas, Warren Tensei. He's probably going to be on the all-announced team. What the hell it's called? I don't remember. The all-pronunciation Yes, team. Virginia you. is looking at this. Sam like, Hauser. We would like to think, absolutely fucking nobody. Bring in Sam Hauser, who's... Obviously, a Marquette transfer who can score inside and out and hit the boards. They're going to have a nasty front court, by the way. Reese Beekman, Jabri Adur Rahim. They got one of the top three best backcourts in the nation. I I don't even want to talk about it. Even last year, with the, 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 not with the terrible bad start they had, they still had the number one defense in the freaking ACC. Like, Everybody's fucked. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, and not only that, number one score defense in the nation. Yeah. Only but, 52.4. Yeah, everybody's fucked. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm so happy you went first because, like, this is making me sad. I mean, at least Louisville beat him last year. I, it's over now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what I'll say. Virginia's back. It, they had a little downturn after the championship, but then they started getting hot. It, it's It's bad news. For the rest of the conference, I firmly believe that. Yeah, like, I feel like bad news better because I'm afraid I got some bad news for the whole ACC conference. Because, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, Virginia's going to be so good. Obviously, defending ball, but, like, offensively, they're going to be able to score as well. Like, Kihei Clark and guys like that. It's just going to be a, a rough year for everybody in the conference. So, good job, Virginia. <laughs> Thanks, you. So, with that, we have Virginia back dominating the conference. With that, we're going to take a pause for the cause. When we come back, we're moving over to the Midwest side of things. We will go to the Big 12 Conference. Questions there. Can Kansas get back on top again? Or will two teams from the state of Texas put an end to Kansas's one-year reign back on top of the conference? You're listening to Everything College Basketball, Episode 64. We're heading to the Big 12 right after this what up guys give you a couple thoughts on the ACC and the Big 12 coming up I believe the ACC is going to have some of the familiar faces up top like Duke North Carolina and uh but I believe Virginia is going to be in there to stay for the long haul you know they've done a lot of good things over the last couple years you know minus the Bounced as a number one by 16. They came back and won the national championship the year after. But uh, I'm really liking the way Virginia's going. Virginia's been playing extremely well. You're always going to have your Dukes Carolinas. I also think that Louisville's going to take a step back this year. Uh, they, they lost a lot of pieces. They're probably going to be top five, top six in the conference. Conference always tough. ACC's top to bottom is one of the toughest of all time. Every year, year in, year out. Champion could always come from this league. But uh, Big 12, if you know who this is, you always know the Big 12 runs through Lawrence, Kansas, and nothing changes this year. But they will have an extremely hard time this year with the Baylor Bears. Baylor has been an up-and-coming team the last couple years, and they were really showing it, especially last year and the year prior. They've really turned the corner. you got Texas Tech really coming out out of the woodwork as well. 
you know, they're doing a lot of good things at Texas Tech. It's going to be top-heavy. I don't see anything coming out of Iowa State or Kansas State or anything like that. These uh, these weird times we're in now, it's really going to show what these coaches are made of and how they, they really adjust. Because if you're playing at a home court in front of 15,000, 20,000 fans, you're really going to be amped up to play, especially a game of basketball. But uh, if, if it stays the way it is and, and fans aren't allowed, you're really going to see what what these kids got and what these coaches have really got to bring to the table. It's going to be a really exciting new way to view college basketball. Hopefully it's just for a little bit, but if not, we all love basketball, so it's, it's a good way to, to keep our eyes on it. Uh, other than that, fellas, I'm just it's time to go. They already gave us a start date, November. We're still getting some tournaments, bubble style. But, you know, basketball's basketball, boys. Once that, once that ball goes up on the tip, I don't really give a shit who's in the stands or not, boys. It's time to watch, have some fun, and get some predictions and, and see how this is going to play out. But other than that, boys, appreciate you. Peace. Everything College Basketball listeners, what's going on? It's Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And I'm here to let you know how you guys can catch up on all the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. You guys can go to YouTube.com, type in Everything Pro Wrestling, give us a subscribe. We are over a 1,000 subscribers now, and we have achieved a YouTube partnership If you guys want to be in the live chats, come on in, join us, and talk pro wrestling. We record AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. We also talk about WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and your local indies, and much, much more. So make sure you guys are subscribed to Everything Pro Wrestling. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. All the live streams are transferred right onto there. But enough of me talking about pro wrestling. Let's get you back to listening to everything college basketball. Well, here you go, ECB. My predictions. Big Ten, I've got uh, surprise team a little bit. Illinois winning it all. I like... uh, I like what they're bringing in, but I also like what they're returning. And uh, I think the conference, top to bottom, is going to be highly competitive. Um, road wins are going to be scarce, like always. Um, but I've got Illinois, Michigan State, um, Maryland, Michigan, uh, the usuals, you know, at the top. And then on the bubble, you know, I've got your IUs, Purdue's. Iowa's, Minnesota's, those teams. So, um, ACC, the usual culprits on top: Virginia, Duke, North Carolina. Um, I think Virginia might be a little more deep than the rest, and uh, definitely returning a little bit more. So, I'll take Virginia a game or two up on Duke. <clears throat> Big Twelve, Kansas. Uh, it's not going to be as deep as some of the other power conferences, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be top heavy, and the teams on top are going to be really, really good. Kansas is uh, one of my favorites for a national title every year. So uh, Kansas, Texas Tech, you know, you've got your got your top guys there. SEC, it's going to be a little deeper than usual, I think. Um, 
Kentucky for sure. Uh, title contender every single year. So um, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida. Uh, expect them to be strong this year. And uh, yeah, SEC is going to be deep and maybe get a couple teams pretty far in the tournament this year. The pack. <laughs> I don't know much about the pack. Don't watch a lot of pack. But uh, I guess Arizona, Washington, uh, Stanford, maybe. I don't know. Like I said, I really don't know a lot about them. But anyway, that's my predictions for the year. And uh, probably my biggest prediction is that the season maybe doesn't even get finished. Unfortunately, I don't want to see another reoccurrence of what happened last season. But with this world we're in, you just never know. So. Let's enjoy college basketball as much as we can for as long as we can. Y'all have a blessed day. Welcome back to episode 64 of the Everything College Basketball Podcast. And Peyton, just like the Jackson 100 this year, we're on day two. two. Yes, day two. We are recording the Big 12 preview in part two of this podcast on Sunday, September 19th. Yesterday, we started the ACC and the first part, Saturday, September 18th. But we decided to, after we had that good, I thought we I thought we went in pretty hard on the ACC. Yeah. And we wanted to just give ourselves a break to give the best show possible. So we made it a two-dayer, Peyton. The Jackson 100. This year's Wrestle Kingdom, whatever event you wanted to make two days, this is what we're doing with episode 64 here. Hey, last year's WrestleMania was two days. Oh, that's right. That's right. You're right. WrestleMania. So, there's no spice here. Um, we did the ACC predictions. A lot of fun. Uh, just like the Big 12 is probably going to be, it's very top-heavy in both conferences. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to talk about the ACC yesterday, and now we get to talk about the Big 12 Conference. Speaking of, Peyton... I hope everybody enjoyed um, during that break, that commercial break there, hearing thoughts from our very own. It's been a while since we've heard him. Tyler Cook on his thoughts from the ACC and the Big 12. And Mr. Johnny Stroud. I think if memory serves me correctly, it's the first time he's sent in, sent in any type of voicemail for us. It is. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the first time he's ever sent anything in. So, Speaking of which, i got to give a shout-out to big time, a long-time sponsor of the show, Friend from day one, I met up with him last night for a little bit e- official ECB business while you're watching Louisville Cardinals. Shout out to J.R. Rowe and his family. Uh, we went out, talked a little business, had a few drink skis. Good night. It was a good <laughs> night. Drink skis. <laughs> um, Peyton's currently watching his Real Madrid team. Yes, as you guys know by now, we do love, and I do mean love, soccer, international football. It is kicking off. My Milan squad t- or kicks off Italian League tomorrow. His Madrid side's playing now. Struggling a little bit, but they're playing a motivated side in Sociedad. It's first game of the season. You know, we got our first game jitters. Last, year we, last season, we won the championship. So, hopefully, we can repeat again and holla Madrid. With that being said, we told you we're moving from the ACC to the Midwest to the Big 12 Conference, Peyton. Very top-heavy conference in years past, considering that Kansas dominated for, what, 15-plus years there? 
15 years. Yeah. Then finally here recently had the streak broken. Then they last year regained the throne. Peyton, they're going to be challenged in a big way this year. But not only one team, but two teams in my eyes. There's probably like, not even like two or three teams. It's probably like four teams if you really want to think about it. That can give Kansas all their... All he wants in the Big 12 Conference, it comes down to Kansas is going to have to win world games because uh, you mentioned the season that they uh, did not win the Big 12. They won, won, like, what, two world games or something like that? Yeah. It was like they was trash city, on the yeah. road. Good at home, but just trash on the road. Could not win a world game to save their life. Hopefully they end up we I don't know what's the word I'm looking for here. Repeating. Repeating yeah. and reclaim their throne as champions against Big 12 once again and start a new streak. Yeah. But we'll You're a little see. flustered right now. You got the yeah. Madrid on. Packers just won. Yeah, um, yeah, go Pack, go 2 Go Pack, go. And I'm watching my Madrid game here. The Reds so. won, as far as we know. They were winning 7-2, so that's good. Uh, but let's go ahead and look back at last year, Peyton, like we've done with the other conferences. Just real quick, a couple notes I had on the Big 12 last year. Obviously, Kansas, after having their historic streak broken, um, they bounce back. They win the conference last year. They went 17-1 and inside the Big 12. Peyton, their only loss in conference was to the Baylor Bears. Yes. And they honestly could have lost twice to them. Yeah, the second game, I think it was at Baylor, yeah. if I remember correctly. And it was a hell of a game. Kansas was, I think, down at one point there like two minutes ago and ended up coming back and winning the game. Um, yeah, the fact that they – that's how show, that shows how good Baylor was last year because at one point they was dominating the Big 12 – even beating Kansas at home at Allen Fieldhouse and then end up struggling there later on and couldn't get it done. So, 17-1 is just incredible. Yeah, more on the Jayhawks, Peyton. Um, we talked about in the last segment, Virginia being the hottest team in the conference in the ACC last year, winning eight, of the, eight in a row to end the year. Kansas won 16 in a row to finish 28-3 and on the year, according to what we just said, 17-1 and in conference. Peyton, 16 wins in a row is incredible. Yeah, 16 wins in a row, especially in conference, is just, it's um, it's a very good achievement for them. And it really helped them wrap up the Big 12 conference. And you're talking about one of my favorite Big 12 memories from last year's game, maybe Cook's least favorite memory is when Sylvia DeSouza almost hit someone with the steel chair. Oh, yeah. You know that ball against Kansas State or whatever? Just he... Acting full of just yeah, that led to a great it. rant by Cook though. Uh, yeah, that's that probably like my favorite moment. That's probably like top five ECB moments so far. One hundred percent, yeah. Because I remember he beat. I think me and him was playing. We was playing some some PlayStation game online. We was in a party chat together. We was talking about that, and like he was definitely pissed off about it. So yeah, it's great memories. Go back. I don't remember the exact episode, but I'm sure we have it labeled. Go back is in like the forties, fifties of ECB. Go back and find it. That was a great like. 10-minute rant Cook went on about D'Souza and all that. Yeah. Um, one other note on the Big 12 last year, Peyton. Four teams. We talked about top-heavy conference, right? Um, I think there's no more better example. I know that's not good English there. But there's not a better example than last year of this. Four teams finished 9-9. Nine and nine. Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia. So, they win one, lose one, win And I think that was perfect of how this conference has been here lately. Yeah, 100%. Four conferences, four teams finishing 9-9. Uh, you don't see that very often, uh, especially in a power like six conference, like the Big 12 is. Um, you don't really see like, you know, like four teams finishing 9-9. It's kind of crazy. Um, looking at the Big 12 awards last year, Peyton, no surprise to any of us, Yudoka Azubuki was selected as Kansas's ninth player of the year. 
overall in the Big 12 Conference, while Scott Drew got uh, Coach of the Year. Any surprises there? I think they're both well-deserved. Both well-deserved. Yeah, no complaints here. You're not going to hear anything bad coming from my mouth. They both definitely deserved it. Marcus Garrett was named Defensive Player of the Year, which I think we talked about all year. As far as defensive players went, it went Trey Jones, Ashton Hagens, and Marcus Garrett, I thought. Yes. Especially from the guard spot. So, again, good on that. Um, Davion Mitchell from Baylor voted Newcomer of the Year, and Jamias Ramsey captured Freshman of the Year. No complaints. Jamias Jamias Ramsey was tremendous. Yeah, he was a baller. Um, He was tremendous. Very good player. Freddie Gillespie from Baylor won Most Improved Player of the Year. Is he any relation to Colin Gillespie from Villanova? No, and I don't mean this isn't like anything like that, but Freddie's black, Colin was white. I mean, it's not saying you can't be family, so please don't anybody take that wrong. But I just don't know. I don't think it's, do you know what I'm saying? I don't think it's relation there. Um, So let's look at our predictions from last year and see how good or bad we did. Let me pull up the Big 12 from last season. Um, the Big 12 from last season, obviously Kansas wins the title, going 17-1. and Peyton, we had Kansas. Yes. Had Kansas actually going 15-3, and but we did have Kansas. We got that right. Second place was Baylor. ECB had Baylor. Oh we had a top God. two. Let's go. Here's where it gets weird. Shit. We had Texas Tech three. Oklahoma was three. Eh. We had Oklahoma four. Texas was four. We had Texas 5, Texas Tech was 5. Jeez, so we so literally had 3, yeah. 4, 5, mixed Just split. Around, yeah. Um, let's see, where are we at? We had Iowa State 6, Iowa State finished 9th. Uh, we had Kansas State 7th, Kansas State finished dead last. We had West Virginia 8th, West Virginia finished 6th. Uh, Oklahoma State 9th, and Oklahoma State finished... Seven. So we were, again, like the other conferences, we had a couple dead on the money, and then we had a couple just like flip-flopped. I guess the first, well, we got more conferences to talk about, um, going on to like uh, shows. Um, that's pretty much the first time we got like one and two, correct? Yeah, it's like we'll spot see, on. Though. Yeah, we'll see though, like Big East and all those other conferences though. I know this was my predictions from last year. I don't know if you had yours still pulled up, but mine... The freshman of the year, I remember I did have Davion Harmer, and I thought, and he did have a good year last year, by the way, for Oklahoma. Average almost 10 a game. Um, but they were only one of those 99 teams. So I thought he, he had a good freshman year, to be honest. But freshman year was definitely Jemias Ramsey. I got that one cut. Yeah. My Big 12 player of the year was the wrong Kansas person. I had Devon Dotson. I think I had Devon Dotson, too. I think Cook actually had Doke. He might have. I'd have to go back I know to we his all had notes. Kansas players. I think I know me and you had Dotson. I'm pretty sure. Dotson between him and Cassius Winston were one two for potential yeah. player of the year. Yeah, I think we yeah we both had Dotson. I think we all three absolutely had the same defense player of the year, which was the correct one. I know I had Marcus Garrett. Yes. So we got that right. I had for most improved player of the year Jordan McCabe from West Virginia. And he did get better, and I think he's going to be a big force this year for West Virginia if they're going to be good. I had Silvio D'Souza, and the only reason I picked him is because it was his first year back after like the suspensions or like the year before he couldn't play. So that's the only reason I picked him for the player for the most improved player of the year, yeah, which and, he was not. And the Big Twelve don't do like official like most underrated player because I'd be subjective instead of factual. But 
for my Big 12 most underrated player going in last year was Lindy Waters, the third of Oklahoma State. I thought he had a pretty decent year for Oklahoma State, all things considered. My most underrated player coming from Texas, and his name is Courtney Lamey. I think Courtney Lamey. Yeah, he had a good year. Really well. He'll be back this year. Yeah, he'll be back this year. We're talking about more about him later. But, yeah, he definitely had a good year last year for Texas. So, looking forward ahead to this year, Peyton, our superlatives for this year. I will let you do the honors first. The player of the year, and I think we got the same one. I think it's not necessarily a no-brainer, but it's a pretty popular pick. Go ahead and tell people who our Big 12 preseason player of the year is. Uh, it's a no-brainer for me because he was drawn from the draft, and he comes from Baylor, and his name is Jared Butler. Jared Butler is a very good player. Last year, he had a really good year for Baylor. This year, he could have went to the draft, but he decided not to. He decided to come back to Baylor, which I actually love that decision because now we get to watch Baylor become like a top three team, actually like top five team in the nation. Um, so yeah, Jared Butler, he can put up, he can score, he can defend. He's a very good rebounder. He's a definitely a great player for Baylor. He's going to help them in the long run for this year's Baylor team. Yeah, I went Bay, or, uh, Jared Butler as well, too. Almost a Jared Baylor. Um, I went Jared Butler as well. This Baylor team is going to be a handful, and I think he's going to be the main cog in that wheel. Jared Butler is our preseason player of the year inside the Big 12. Peyton, defensive player of the year in the Big 12. He's back again. He won it last year. It's kind of like the Trey Jones, Ashton Hagen thing. There's no reason to doubt against him. Peyton, defense player of the year is going to be uh, Marcus Garrett again. I don't know why I said Miles Garrett. Yeah, I've seen I that. Said, you type Miles Garrett. He plays for the Browns. He plays for long team. Shit, a long score. <laughs> I don't know why I said Miles Garrett. Uh, yeah, Marcus Garrett, no doubt about it. Uh, he's definitely going back to back. He's the best defender in my eyes in college basketball coming into this year, and no doubt he's going to be the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. He's such a good positional defender, too. It's not the fact that he'll hound you on ball. He's got decent wingspan. But we've talked about it before on here with Cook. He sees two passes ahead as good as just about anybody. Ashton Hagens was the best I'd seen do that. Yeah. But he reads, like, cut angles off, shooting gaps, being a pass and a half away where he can, you know, jump and deflect. He can actually guard bigger guys, too. We've seen him guard the point guard spot, and we've seen him guard ball handlers at the four position, big guys who are like 6'8", 6'9", so he's a versatile defender. I just think he's he wins it last year. He's back again this year, going to be one of the best players in the conference. There's no point in not going with him again. If he didn't return, my second option would probably have been Oscar Shiabiwi. That's exactly right, just for blocking shots just for around shot the blocking. rim. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's exa- we're on the same wavelength there. Peyton, now this is important. We've talked about the Big Ten, the ACC, conferences that are, have a lot of good freshmen. So does the Big 12 year in and year out. Normally they come from Lawrence, Kansas. But the best freshmen, actually the best two freshmen in my mind this year, come from Oklahoma State and Texas. So that's why I'm giving a co, and I'll explain why, a co-freshman of the year in the Big 12 this year. I'm going with Cade Cunningham, the number one prospect in the NBA draft. The number one recruit coming in to well, he, did he end up going number one or number two? Who, Kate Cunningham? Uh, Cunningham was he number one or two? Uh, one in summer. He was, he was two. Uh, Evan Mobley from USC is number one. Okay, so the number two could have easily been the number one prospect in college basketball this year as a freshman. Kate Cunningham, big six five, six six ish, can put it on the deck, can shoot, can score, can post you up. He's an NBA ready player now. And he's going to get a ton of shots at Oklahoma State. They more than likely will run the offense through him. Yeah, no So doubt. he's going to put up numbers. Think along the lines of 
um, Anthony Edwards this year, this past year from Georgia, is yeah. who I would compare him with. Um, so you, you're going to see a lot. Of, and plus, he, he handles the ball a lot. He distributes. So you could easily see him average close to 20, seven and a half assists, seven rebounds, putting up some numbers. And then I give co-freshman year, because I think equally he's going to have the biggest impact. Five-star Greg Brown from Texas. I think he's going to be a double-double machine. I think he could, if he chooses to play defense the way he should with his length and athleticism, could average a block and a half, two blocks a game, um, and really key Texas's transition game. So I'm going to go co-Big 12 freshman player of the year, Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State, Greg Brown from Texas. I do love me some Greg Brown, and he's going to do big things for Texas, uh, big-time player for them. But it's no-brainer for me. Caden Cunningham is the best freshman, in my opinion, that's coming into this league. I think on the Lindy's Magazine, they do like their top 250 players. I think he's the, only, he's the highest-rated freshman on that list. And actually, he looking here, he was the nation's number one recruit, now I think about it. It was him, then Evan Mobley, and then I don't remember who was third, but I know it was those two. So he's the best incoming freshman coming in. He's definitely going to be like top 10 in the mock draft. He's definitely 100% one and done. I'd be shocked, even though they had their scandals and stuff like that, I'd be shocked if he comes back next year. Because he's going to put up numbers. He's going to distribute. He is, without a doubt, my freshman of the year. You know what's going to be sad, unless the NCAA decides to change? He's going to have this great year, and they can't play in the postseason tournament, which includes conference tournament. We're going to get a scene for the regular season. I'll tell you what, though. Um, I'll be excited for that Kansas-Oklahoma State matchup. See Cunningham going against Marcus Garrett? Yeah. That'd be funny. That's a matchup like I would want to see. Well, even somebody along the lines of uh, Oche Abadji coming back for Kansas, as long, athletic, you know, could match Cunningham, could be interesting. Um, Peyton, who's your Big 12 most approved player going to be? Mine comes from West Virginia, and I think he was your most improved player from last, last year. Yeah. And he's mine from this year, and his name is Jordan McCabe, coming from West Virginia. He played, he started 29 games last season, but averaged 13 and a half minutes per game. He only scored 3.1 points per game and one assist per game. Um, for a starter and for a West Virginia team, he's going to have to pit up more numbers, and I think he will. Uh, I think he'll improve his scoring and Average probably on the double figures and probably be close to like six assists per game, maybe more. We'll see. Um, he's definitely going to be my most improved player, though. Jordan McCabe from West Virginia. Yeah, I like that pick. My most improved this year was my freshman of the year last year, going with Davion Harmon for Oklahoma. He will have, the, as a sophomore, the keys to the offense, presumably this year running the point guard spot. Last year as a freshman, though, Peyton, averaged 9.5 points a game, 2.7 assists per game. I only expect now that a year older, a year wiser, I expect those numbers to go up along with shooting percentage. I expect Davion to take a big leap to get into double digits um, points per game. Get he, I don't think he'll get like the tremendous jump in assists per game, but he will go up from 2.7 to you know six and a half a game. I think that would be good. So I think Davion Harmon. I will give a couple honorable mentions I want to keep an eye on. Avery Anderson the third from Oklahoma State for the simple reason that he's a year older. He played well last year. I thought he was a key guy for Oklahoma State. But now he's going to play a backup role with Kate Cunningham. But as we know, Peyton, normally when you play a superstar like that, everybody else is, if they're good enough, their ship rises as well with the tide. So I expect Avery Anderson to have a big year. Avery Anderson the third, excuse me, to have a big year. And the other one I want to keep an eye on, going back to Kansas, Peyton Christian Braun. I thought he 
started to really come on for the Jayhawks last year. He's going to be a shooter for them that they desperately need because they struggle here lately shooting the three ball. I think this is a guy who can be in the mold of Kansas greats before, like Brady Morningstar and Tyrell Reed and them that can really hit that corner three or transition three that they need. Mm-hmm. Next up, most underrated player of the year. Mine is from Kansas. His name is Tristan Inaruna. Um, he only averaged, he played about in like 30 games last season. Uh, he only averaged probably like two and a half points per game and 2.2 rebounds per game. Um, I know it's kind of low numbers for being like the most underrated player, but the reason I put him on there is because his ability, he can defend very well. He did in that Duke game, he definitely defended in the first game of the season last year. He definitely played very good defense on guys like, um, why can't I, uh, Cassius Stanley um, and guys like that, Wendell Moore from Duke. Uh, he's definitely a good two-way player, and I think he's going to put up more numbers, and I think he's a big piece for Kansas if they want to have success early on and late in Big 12 Conference. I think that's a good one. I think Tristan Aruna is a, another. He was in another one of them freshmen that came in last year with a guy like Christian Bond. Um, most underrated for me is going to be Derek Culver from West Virginia. Two-time All-Big 12 selection. Um Averaged 10.4 points per game last year, 8.6 rebounds a game, and you didn't really hear a whole lot from him. I think he's just kind of flying under the radar. I think he'll have a, he's poised to have another big year this year. Derek Culver from West Virginia. Peyton, um, I don't know if you wrote down a list, but again, I wrote down my first team All Big 12 predictions. You got to go with Jared Butler from Baylor, Marcus Garrett from Kansas, Oscar Shibway from West Virginia, Kate Cunningham, Oklahoma State, and Kyler Edwards from Texas Tech. I'm going to go with Jared Butler, Kate Cunningham. Macy Oteague, KD, uh, Marcus Garrett, and I'll go Oscar Shearbury from West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Now, all that's out of the way, Peyton. Ten teams only in this league. Other teams, we've other conferences like the ACC and the Big Ten, we've seen 15, 16 teams, 14 teams. There's only ten. The thing I do love about the Big 12, like we like about the Big East, it is round-robin style. You will play one home game. You will play one way a game against every other team in the conference. So you have to literally earn the conference by going through everybody. So I do love that about it. They only play 18 games because of it. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty, Peyton. Coming in dead last in the conference this year, in the Big 12, where are we going? We're going to Kansas State. Um, Kansas State last season, 3-15. They finished last, and they're going to finish last again. They lose by like six or seven players from last year's team, including one of their leading scorers, Xavier Sneed, 6'5 guard, 14.2 points per game with four, about round up to about five rebounds per game. Um, they're going to be a very young team. I'm looking on here. They got one junior and one senior, same boat as Duke was. We talked about them having no experience whatsoever. Same thing going on for Kansas State. I don't see much potential for them. Kansas State, dead last, again. I'm right there with you. Uh, and I actually have them making no, and I know it sounds bad, no change in the record either. I'm not only finishing dead last, but going 3-15 and 15 again. I do want to make mention, Peyton, we've seen this kid in person. They do bring in four-star um, Nigel Pack from Lawrence North High School. It, it's Nigel, right? I, did I mispronounce his first name? Yeah, Nigel yeah, Pack. Nigel Pack. Good player. We've seen him firsthand from Lawrence North Payton. The kid can ball. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's not going to be enough at um, him and Mike McGurl at Kansas State. Just not going to be enough. They, they're under – you know I do not like Bruce Weber. <laughs> We've been over this before in these rants. 
But this low-scoring, grinded-out offense just is not conducive, especially if you're not talented enough. They're going to have to just luck into some games. That sounds bad, but, yeah, I got Kansas State finishing dead last. I think we got the same ninth-place team because um, mine's TCU. Yeah, same. We have the same ninth-place team as well. Peyton, why don't you let everybody know why we have TCU so lowly rated? And I do like Jamie Dixon. We've seen he can coach. Well, most importantly, for the reason I have him so lowest rated, because they lose one of their best players from last year's team, Desmond Bain. Uh, he averaged about like, roughly 17 points per game with seven rebounds per game. Also lose Jair Crayer, Grayer, seven and a half points per game, four and a half rebounds per game. They do bring back their leading scorer, who had like 30 point, 31 points in the win against Ohio Iowa State. And he reached double figures 19 times. 12.1 points per game, 3.7 rebounds per game. Besides that, really having the only thing to have going for him is they do have experience. They have a couple seniors, got some juniors on the team. Got a couple freshmen, but they finished, what did they finish? 7-11, um, their Big 12 record, tied for 7th. I just don't see much for this TCU Horn Fox teams. Besides their returning score, and they got some experience coming in. So I have them ninth, and I think you do too as well. We have ninth. Moving on up, we actually have, looking at yours as well, we actually have the same eighth place team. So we're right in step. We're toe for toe here. Um, eighth, we're going to Ames, Iowa. Cyclones. Iowa State. And it's kind of been a fall from grace. You know, and it's not that Steve Forbes isn't doing a good job or nothing, but that run that they had with. Um, Fred Hoiberg, the mayor, where they're winning the conference or right there battling for it, I guess, or winning the Big 12 tournaments, you know, it's a struggle now. And I just don't think Iowa State, especially in a conference that the top three are going to be real good, I don't see Iowa State competing. I do have them finishing eighth, going six and 12. Now, I will say that I think can see them getting an extra game or two, but I, I just don't see much from Iowa State to warrant going any higher than eighth right now. They do get some stuff going for them besides losing their best player, Tyrese Halliburton, who scored 15.2 points per game. And That's like a lottery six, pick right six there. Six rebounds per game, yeah, 100%. But they do have a Penn State transfer who was eighth in the Big 12 in scoring last year with Sear Bolton, averaged about 15 points per game. They do have a top 75 recruit who averaged 23 points per game and almost 10 rebounds per game as a high school senior. Xavier Foster, who's seven foot, by the way, and you can't teach that. Um, <laughs> I like it. I they like do it. bring in a Memphis transfer, Tyler Harris, five uh, nine junior. So they got some things going for them. Finished ninth in the Big Twelve last year, five and thirteen. Um, besides that, losing Tyrese Halliburton, lottery pick, they really ain't going to do much. So no. I haven't finished eighth. As do you. I'm with you there. Now, I think we'll start to differ here a little bit. I think we got some... Peyton, who do you got to finish the seventh moving on up in the conference? Uh, Boomer Sooner. I got the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma finished last year 9-9. It's one of those 9-9 teams you talked about. Tied third in the Big 12. So you think they're going to take a step backwards then? I don't think they'll be as good as they was last year. Even though they bring back Davion Harmon, who, what was his most improved player yeah, of the year? Yeah, most improved, yep. Um, he averaged 7.4 points per game. He's a returning starter for them. Can't forget Brady Manick, too. Yeah, One of the best shooters. shooters. Yeah. Larry Bird the third yep. or second. Yep. Uh, well, Larry Bird Jr., I guess. Um, definitely could put up numbers. 6'9 forward. He's a senior, so he has experience as well. I just don't think much of this Oklahoma team. I think they got potential to finish maybe like top five, but I'm just not as high on them as maybe like other analysts or other experts are. 
So therefore, I have him seventh. Yeah, losing a guy that Christian Doolittle too is gonna hurt. Like oh they're, yeah, yeah. Their top scorer, top you know, I guess you'd call him top player, but he he was definitely the biggest scoring threat. My seventh it might surprise you. I'm Oklahoma State. They're going to be talented, right? They're going to obviously have Cade Cunningham. They're going to have Avery um, Avery Anderson the third, Chris Harris Jr. expected to to make more starts this year as a sophomore and be better. They they have some people, right? Now, how they end up picking up J T. Thor? We're talking different. I have Oklahoma State about four spots higher, but we've seen this before. We have seen this. They and they lose Lindy Waters the third, and people with experience. They're shit. I mean, Lindy Waters can stroke the ball from three, forty-five percent ish from three. Here's the problem. We've seen this before with top talented recruits. Again, and I'll use Anthony Edwards. Remember Georgia there for a while until they ran out of Kentucky. They were like thirteen and four, well on their way to the NCAA tournament. Then Kentucky beats them, and then they slide. This is what happens to these teams that only have like this one superstar recruit and maybe some experienced talent around him, maybe not. So I look for Oklahoma State to run in that same wall. I haven't finished in seventh, going 7-11. I do think that they come close to 500, but they're not playing for any tournament deal. That might inspire them to want to actually win the regular season. That could be it. But I, I just think as the season progresses, Teams are going to figure out how to play Cade Cunningham, whether it be a zone, whether it be a, a box and one, a triangle and two, or some kind of variation of a man. And once he's taken out of the equation, does Oklahoma State have enough firepower to sustain scoring 75, 80 points a game? That's my key. I don't think they do, even though he'll get his numbers. So I got Oklahoma State going seventh in the conference. Here's why I have Oklahoma State finishing sixth in the conference, just one spot ahead of Oklahoma. And it's really because Caden Cunningham is going to put up numbers. I don't really think you can stop him. Um, even some of the best defenders, like Marcus Garrett, um, I don't know. It's going to be trouble stopping him. I think he's going to be able to put up numbers. He might average a double-double. He might average like 20 points with like 10 assists per game. Um, this is how good of a player he is. But also, you kind of mentioned it—the fact they really had nothing to lose. They're not going to mention. They're not going to be in the NCAA tournament unless something changes. Only thing they got going for them is they have to win their regular season title, and that's really the only thing they got. So they really had nothing else to lose. So even if they win no conference games, it really doesn't matter because they're not going to make the tournament anyways. So I put them ahead of Oklahoma for those two reasons alone. Um, I think they're. I think they have potential. If they definitely have JT Thor, I'd definitely put them probably like top four. Um, but Cade Cunningham alone is the reason I'm putting them ahead of Oklahoma. I, so. I mean that's fair. I I could totally your reasoning. I could totally buy it. My sixth place team. Um, I'll have them going nine and nine as well. Or you know this year, kind of mid pack. Win some, lose some. We're going to. Country roads take me home to the place I belong. Oscar Sheepway blocking shots, going nine and nine. Um, West Virginia, I've been finishing right in, towards the middle of the pack. I think they could be good. I, I do. I think they're a tournament team. I think they can be. I think they're a bubble team esque. Um, Oscar Sheepway in the middle, an experienced guy. If he ever, if he learns this year. To score around the rim, now they're dangerous. He's dangerous. His one problem is he was defensive-minded first, rebounding, couldn't score. Peyton, if he can learn how to score within 10 feet, he's dangerous. That yes. size and that body, 
you put him in the he looks like you know Kofi Cockburn and Aiden Gagion like he's a monster mm -hmm. so he, he could um, if he ever gets on that doke your doke Azabuki training now we're talking about something real special you mentioned Jordan McCabe you know West Virginia I think like I said 99 I've been going 6 in the conference I do think they could be a tournament team though if that tells you anything my fifth spot Goes to the Longhorns of Texas. Texas is going to be very good because they really lose nobody besides maybe a senior. They bring back four of the five starters, including Matt Coleman the third, who averaged roughly about 13 points per game. Courtney Ramey, who I think will be a very good player and was my most improved player from last year's team. Um, he made 41 three-pointers last year, averaged roughly about 11 points per game with four rebounds per game. Um, and also they bring in a top 10 recruit, five-star recruit, Greg Brown, who's a 6'9 forward, who's going to get buckets and help with the rebounding load. Um, all around, I think Texas is going to be a very good team. And this, if if um, Shaka Smart doesn't have a good year this year, then he's gone. I agree with that. He's, I agree. I'm sorry. I love me some Shaka Smart, but like this is his last year. It's a very good – he's a very talented squad. He needs to have a good year this year. And – I think they're going to be very mediocre at best, and I think they have potential to maybe get top three in the Big 12. So I, I have him fifth. I, I agree with that. and He's brought in talent, so it's not been lack of talent. He's definitely brought in some talent. My fifth place team, for all the reason that you said is the reason why I think they finished middle of the pack going 99, um, Oklahoma. Uh, Davion Arman running the show. Uh, Brady Manick picking and popping. I think they have enough experience back. I like Lon Kruger as a coach. He's showed he's going to get it done, but I think it's going to be another 99 season. Finishing middle of the pack. Could be a tournament team, though. So, I have Oklahoma. My fourth place team, I'll just jump to it, is who you had as fifth, Texas. So, we're right there on the same wavelength with Texas, Peyton. I agree with everything you said about Shaka. I do like Greg Brown. Remember, he was a co-freshman of the year for me. Uh, Courtney Ramey. I like this Texas team. I don't like them better than the top three by any means, but I like Texas to be fourth, I guess, the best of the rest, or best of the middle card. So I have Texas going fourth. My fourth spot is Country Roads himself, West by God, Virginia. Um, Oscar Sheboy coming back is just huge for them. Shot blocker is going to protect the rim. Started 31 games last year, had 10 double-doubles. 11.2 uh, points per game and almost uh, 10 rebounds per game as well. They bring in a skilled four-star freshman, Isaiah Cottrell, who's a 6'10 forward, who's probably playing alongside Shebre. That would be a nice um, front court for them. Um, they bring back Emmett, Emmett Matthews Jr., 6'7 freshman, or 6'7 junior, my bad. Uh, he started 30 games, had a season high of 18 points versus Baylor, 6.3 points per game. The Blue by Jordan McCabe, who I think will have a big year this year. For Your most improved, right? My most improved, who have a big year for West Virginia this year. Um, and they bring back Miles uh, McBride, a sophomore, 6'2", sophomore. Average almost 9.5 points per game. I think all around, and they bring in a top 100 recruit who redshirted last year, uh, Jalen Bridges. And bring back two-time All-Big 12 selection, Derek uh, Culver. Derek Culver. All around, I think West Virginia has a very good squad, and I think I would not be surprised if they actually won the Big 12. I think my top four teams, I can flip them around any way I want to. I feel like they all have. Do you think we see the return of Press Virginia in its full form? 
Um, early on in the year, yes. Maybe if teams start figuring it out late, no. But I think early on, yes. Plus, Virginia will return. I think it's fair. Now we get to the Peyton. When I say the top three are really good, I mean the top three are really good. You you couldn't go wrong on this. And looking at yours, it's funny. We have the exact same top three. Before we reveal them real quick, just these top three schools. And if you've been following along, you'll know, but you don't know the order. Peyton, these three schools, we talked about it at the end of the ACC, segueing into the Big 12 here. These three will lead the conference. These three, any of the three, can make a Final Four and win a national title. I firmly believe that. Yeah, you can flip-flop any of all three schools, and it's kind of weird, though, that you have the same top three um, or the same order um, for the top three, but any of these three schools are going to be so damn good this year that it's honestly going to be incredible. Like you said, they can make a Final Four if everything connects um, like it should, and those top three alone are just going to beat and bang with each other in the Big 12, and whoever comes up top is going to own the damn thing because it's going to be brutal, and those three teams are going to be very, very good. So here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, we're going to just reveal who wins the conference outright, and then we can tell them who finishes second and third. Three. I was going to say, you want to count? <laughs> Well, I was waiting for some dramatic effect. Maybe we'll put in a drum roll. Um, All right. Three, two, one. Texas, Texas Tech. Tech. That's right. Guns up. Lubbock, Texas. Becomes the new Big 12 champions. Before we tell you why, Peyton, second place. Tell them who we have second and third in the, in the order behind them. We got the Kansas Jayhawks finishing second. Finishing third, we got the Baylor Bears. And I literally on mine have these three teams separated by one game. That's how close it is. I think they all rotate to beating each other, and I think the reason Baylor will go 14-4 and four and have an extra loss is that they'll find a way to lose somebody like West Virginia. And the reason I have Kansas and Kansas finishing second, because I do have them separated by one game. Only reason I have Kansas finishing second is I feel like a team like Oklahoma State will beat Kansas. That's right. That's right. But let's explain to you, and we'll go to Kansas and Baylor, but let's explain and spend a couple minutes talking why Texas Tech and Chris Beard, which y'all know me, I love me some Chris Beard, why the Texas Tech Red Raiders are bouncing back in a big, big way. Lindy's has them as potential, Lindy's Magazine has a potential Elite Eight projection. National ranking eighth. I think that's just baseline. I think that they're Final Four national championship good. Peyton, you look at this team. They are bringing in Georgia Georgetown transfer Mac McClung. Not just transfer, superstar Mac McClung. If he gets eligible, watch out. They bring back Terrence Shannon Jr. Peyton made 21 starts as a freshman, scored in double figures 14 times, averaged 9.8 points a game. They bring back Jamarius Burton, who just got cleared, by the way. He got cleared. It says in the Lindy's here, it's from Wichita State, he'll set out. It literally yesterday or the day before he got cleared. That's huge, experience-wise. Peyton, for this team, too, especially, newcomers are the key of this team. Yes, their biggest newcomer coming in is a five-star, um, one of the highest-ranked prep recruits ever to join the Red Raiders. Uh, his name is Namari Burnett. 
Uh, I talked about him before because Louisville was in on him at one point, and then he backed out on us and decided to go to Texas Tech. Huge commitment for Tech and Chris Beard's uh, Red Raiders team. He is going to be very, very talented. He could win freshman of the year if he has a big year for Texas Tech, which I actually think he will. The other top 100 recruit is Micah, um, Micah Peavy. Um, he's a top 100 recruit from Duncanville High. Um, same as 2019-2021 in Dungeon Myers Ramsey. Um, he is going to get big minutes as well. He's a 6'8 guard freshman. Um, Kyler Edwards returns for the Red Raiders. He's a top returning starter. Uh, top returner started all 31 games. Was third in scoring, 11.4 points per game. And also, they bring in BCU grad transfer. Shout out Cook on this one. He loved this dude last year. Who will make an immediate impact on the glass and defensive end, Marcus Santos Silva. Not only that, but there's more. Last year, UNLV transferred, started 31 games as a freshman for the running Rebels. Sat out last year at Tech during the transfer. He's eligible this year. Six foot eight, 217 pound sophomore forward, Joel Ntambwe. Not only that, they bring in seven foot one freshman the, uh, from Russia. The Russian center played last year at Putnam Science Academy in Connecticut. Vladislav Golden, seven one. Peyton, this team is made up of you got a couple of returning guys like Kyler Edwards. You got some new people, whether it be transfers or freshmen. You look at Marcus Santos Silva, Jolan Tamway, Namari Burnett, Vladislav Golden. Mac McClung, if he's eligible. Jamarius Burton from Wichita State. We're not even talking about a three-star recruit from France who played 24 games as a freshman, Clarence uh, and Dondale. This team, literally, just about everybody who plays on this, on this team this year, they're deep at guard, they're deep at forward, and they're deep basically in the front court. And, Peyton, what's the one thing, if you're going to play for Chris Beard, what do you got to do? I was going to mention this. You got to defend. You got to defend the ball. And last season, they was fifth in scoring defense, kind of took an off year. But they're going to get back to the defensive side of the ball this year, though. I think they have a well-balanced team with a lot of scores who can put up numbers. And they keep that defensive identity. I think you're going to see the Texas Tech that we saw two years ago when they made the national championship game, when they had a star player like Jared Culver, when they had guys who can shoot like David Moretti and uh, Mooney. So I think coming into this year, they're just going to be tough to beat. They're going to be the team to beat. But Texas, Texas Tech, Kansas, and Baylor, they all right there. One game apiece separates them. And, and you look at some other key stats, because we're stat nerds too. They led the conference in three-point percentage. They shot 35.5%. Now, I know they lost David Moretti was a big piece of that. But Peyton, look at everybody else they bring in shooting-wise. That, that's going to stay about average. Free throw percentage, 75.4%, second in the conference. That's incredible. You can't foul them. They get to the line. Even if we talk about their defense, they still put up almost 72 points a game scoring ball. And the one big key for last year for Texas Tech <clears> what <throat> caused a lot of their concerns, they gave up 29.3% of offensive rebounds to the opponents, which ranked them 172nd in offensive rebounding and 184th in rebound margin last year, according to Ken Palm. Um, or, sorry, they're actually 237th in giving up offensive rebounds. So they were bad, basically, on the glass. You bring in a guy like 7-1 Vladislav Golden. You bring in a guy like Marco Santos Silva, who will absolutely a beast getting after the boards. Peyton Jolin Tambway, who's eligible. They're going to clean that up. And when they do, they're going to be the team to beat, like you mentioned. 
I love this Texas Tech team. I think they're a team that could legit win the title. Yeah, I do too. I think if everything clicks and they really focus on getting uh, their offense, like, pitch up numbers, like, I think they could. And obviously their defense is going to be very talented as well. Um, it's not like the ACC where we had a clear winner in Virginia, but it's a little bit closer in the Big 12, but still Texas Tech is going to be very, very talented, and you got to watch out for them, not only in the Big 12, but in the national scene as well. So in second, we talked about finishing runner-up Texas Tech. Peyton, you go to Lawrence, Kansas. Normally the Big 12 title runs through Kansas or runs through Lawrence, as we Tyler mentioned in his little um, little voicemail he left for us. Kansas is going to be very talented again. Lindy's has them projected as fifth national ranking, elite eight ceiling for them. They bring back a lot, bring in some new guys. Peyton, tell us real quick on Kansas why they will be really good again this year. They got a lot of experience coming back along with a bunch of freshmen coming in. One of the most notable freshmen coming in is a top 25 recruit who will make a big t- impact for them, uh, Bryce Thompson. He's a 6'5 guard. He can really score the ball, which Kansas is going to really need. They're going to need another scorer. Um, Jalen Wilson, he's a sophomore. He, or he's a freshman coming in, excuse me. Um, oh, did he, oh, he redshirted last year then. Did he? Why does it say he's a freshman? Because I know he, he played two games last he, season due to injury. He probably He, he did get redshirted. Okay, yeah, he, he right. got injured early. All right, normally it says redshirt on here. Excuse yeah. me for that. But Jalen Wilson, I think he'll make a big impact for Kansas this year. Obviously, um, Trisha Inaruna defensively is going to be great for them. And obviously, we're talking about defensive players. It doesn't start. It doesn't start with um, Trisha and Luna. It starts with um, well, I said Miles Garrett, but Marcus Garrett. Uh, Christian Brown's gonna really score the ball for them. Three point percentage was forty four point four percent last year. I think that's gonna stay the same for Kansas. Um, all around, David McCormack returns. You can't forget Oche Abaji. I think he Abadji. is a huge key for them. We've seen last year his three point percentage went up. From his freshman year, when he really burst on the scene, I think defensively he's a long, athletic. We've seen some of his freaky ass dunks he's done. I think if his three point percentage continues to go up and he commits himself even more on the defensive end, that's to me he's the key for Kansas this year. Mm-hmm. And Kansas still has a pretty good front court with Asosa coming back. He's gonna have to have a better year than we had last year. We average probably like two hundred. Like almost three points per game. Like he's got to stay game. mentally involved. Yeah, he needs to have a better year if Kansas wants to play well. Because normally Kansas has a really good front court. David McCormack returns for Kansas, who actually had a pretty good year. You can't forget my man Mitch. Prison Mitch. Prison Mitch. He redshirted last year, so he can play more as a senior, and he's definitely gonna get a lot of minutes this year because he is like. He's a player that everybody should want on a team. Like he plays yeah. hard, he can rebound. He doesn't need the ball. He doesn't need the ball. He's not selfish, and he'll play hard no matter what the situation is. Um, and he has the dopest nickname, Prison Mitch, in the game. Yeah. So all around, Kansas is going to be very good. Obviously, losing Dotson and Doak and Isaiah Moss is going to hurt a little bit, but Kansas still has experience, and they got good players coming in. Another Final Four kind of team. Yes. Moving on third to Baylor, and I have them finishing 14-4 and four, right behind Tech and Kansas. Peyton Baylor brings back um, Jared Butler we talked about. They bring back Tristan Clark. They bring back Macy Oteague. They bring back that uh, Davion Mitchell. They bring back four of their top five starters. The only one they're losing really is Freddie Gillespie, and then they lose Devontae Bandu, another big-time contributor. But they bring in... Um, 
they bring in a UNLV transfer, another UNLV transfer, who sat out last year to NCAA rules, Jonathan Chamwa Chachachua. That's so difficult. That's probably an all-pronunciation team right there. Wow. And they bring in... You, you can't understate how big these transfers are, but Adam Flagler gets to play this year. He's a transfer from Presbyterian. He was the 2019 Big South Freshman of the Year. Mm. That's big, uh, just experience. They have Jordan Turner redshirted last year as a freshman. So they're going to have... They're going to have experience all around, but I think bringing back that four-headed monster that not a lot of teams, especially in today's game, do, Peyton. guy like Davion Mitchell started all 30 games. He led Baylor with 114 assists. They bring back Macy Oteague, played a team-high 32.6 minutes. They bring back Tristan Clark, averaged 13.1 minutes a game last year. And they bring back, of course, Jared Butler, averaged 16 points. Between those four, you can't forget a guy like Mark Vitale, too, an all-Big 12 third-team pick, also landed on an all-defensive team. This team is deep, talented, and if you told me that they win the conference, like, if you look at Lindy's Magazine, they have them projected Final Four, national ranking three to start the year. They have them winning the Big 12. If you told me that they win the Big 12, I'm not going to throw a fit about it. I'm not going to argue with you. I think Baylor's really good. Couple things why I don't think they won the Big Twelve, and again if they do, and, and then they spent they spent a good amount. Even though number one kept flipping last year, they spent a good amount. They kind of one of those teams that held the fort down for a while, weren't they? Yes, couple reasons why I don't have them winning the Big Twelve, and like I said, it would not surprise me if they ultimately end up winning the Big Twelve. I know Lindy's magazine's high on them, projection final four, national ranking three. All the analysts and experts are high on Baylor, and I see why they do bring in two four star recruits and LJ Cryer. And uh, Zach Loveday, who had offers from Florida, Indiana, Iowa, and others. Um, I look at a guy like Tristan Clark, who only made six starts a year ago. I thought he had a better year than he did last year. He did not. He only averaged four points per game. I look at a guy like him who needs to actually produce more. Um, Mark Vitale, uh, who's a ultra Big 12 13 pick last year, who was on the defensive team as well. Uh, scoring defense, they was number one in, in the Big 12 Baylor was. And guys like um, I, oh, Jared Butler, he's going to put up numbers. He's going to do what he does. But the reason I don't have them winning the Big 12 is because, you mentioned it, they finished, what was it, like, they flip-flopped 1-2 for like a long majority of the time, especially in the Big 12, yeah. and then they choked. They started to falter off. Yeah, they what, what, ended up losing a little stretch to like 4 or 5, and then they started picking back up toward the end of the year, though. Yeah, but I think they cannot have a stint like that again, and that's why I put them as three and have Kansas and Texas Tech ahead. Do you know what was so impressive about Baylor last year? And we went, you go back to the archives and check out last year's episodes when Baylor was during their run. It was because of their defense. You remember how suffocating their defense was? You'd watch Texas Tech go in there. You watched, I think, Georgetown play. Or Arizona went to Baylor. Remember how deep and talented Arizona was with Josh Green and company and Zeke Nagy? Baylor suffocated people last year. When they were really good, they suffocated. And that was the difference between Baylor's of the past, who would maybe give up some points but outscore you or just beat you up on the backboard. Last year, Scott Drew got his team to buy in defensively. If Baylor can do that again and replicate but continue it through the whole year, where they're limited teams to under 30% shooting from three, they're clearing the backboards, and they're scoring 70 75 points themselves. Now we're cooking with Baylor. Yeah, and that's what I said earlier. They were number one in scoring defense, only allowing 60 points per game, um, and seventh in the nation in scoring defense. 
So defensively, I think they're going to be very good as, again as well. But, um, like I said, I feel like they cannot have a choke season like they did, or like choke end of the year like they did last year. All around, they're going to be very talented. Top 10 in the nation, 100%. Um, Big 12 is going to be very top-heavy. And like I said, any one of those four teams, we're mainly talking about the top three, Baylor, Kansas, and Tech. But I don't sleep on West Virginia and really don't sleep on Texas either. So, top five, very good. As we start to wind things down, Peyton, one of the things I think it's imperative to look at the Big 12 is I think it might be the conference of big men this year. You look at guys like Greg Brown, Oscar Shiobway. You look at um, uh, like Mitch Lightfoot or Silvio D'Souza or Stanislav um, Golden. Or, I mean, you name it, right? This conference has a lot of quality big men. And, yeah. and it has for the last couple of years. You go back to Yadoka and etc. I think front court play is going to be as critical in this conference this year as it maybe any other conference. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. 100%. Big 12 definitely has some way good um, front court guys. Uh, as long as they do have back court guys as well. Like guys like Kate Cunningham. Who's probably going to be one of my favorite players to watch this year. He's going to have a huge year. Um, and it's kind of, it definitely sucks that they're not going to be in the NCAA tournament. And I kind of hope that changes, but probably won't. Most likely, they probably will still be banned from the tournament for this year at least. So it's like we won't get to see Cade Cunningham. But whatever. Big 12 is still going to be very fun to watch. Top five teams. Oklahoma State sneaky. But all around. Texas, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech rounds out top five. Looking at your crystal ball, Peyton, oh, how God. many teams preseason do you think the Big 12 gets in the NCAA tournament, considering it's a normal field? Mm. Oh, shit. Uh, let me see. I think they'll get five or six, maybe more. I've got five. Texas Tech, Kansas, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas. Obviously, Oklahoma State can't. I think Oklahoma could sneak in. I think they're right there on the bubble. But I think five solid, six maybe. And of those five, think how good this conference is. Of those five, I have four that can make this. They'll make Sweet 16. Three that can make up three of the four spots in the Final Four. Yeah. Um, I have Tech, Kansas, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas. And I think, obviously, since I have Oklahoma State finishing set six and Oklahoma finished seven, I think Oklahoma has a chance to make the tournament. Due to Oklahoma State not being in the tournament, obviously. So it could be another exciting banner year inside the Big 12. Maybe they bring home a, an NCAA crown for the first time since 2008. 2008. Yeah, Kansas. So we'll, we'll find out. I just know I'm excited for it. Peyton, as we start to wind things down next week, our tour of the conferences continue as we will head down south to the conference. Southern Conference? Oh. Dang, you know I love me some SoCon. <laughs> but we will head down to the Southeastern Conference, Peyton, a conference that very intriguing, very on the surface, a lot of quality teams, I think deeper than what most people think, and I think if you know basketball, it won't be a surprise. But if you're just a casual fan, I think who I'm going to have win the conference is going to be a surprise to people. Spoiler alert, I have no clue who I'm going to pick. I'm going to be honest. Um, I thought I had a pick a couple weeks ago, but 
it keeps on changing like day by day. All I, I know there's like four or five teams that can actually win the SEC. All I know is Rocky Top's gonna be really good again. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, Tennessee's <laughs> gonna be really good, so we'll leave it at that. But as we start to wind things down, make sure you guys are following us on Facebook. We will start the Twitter back up soon. I know we've been bad about that, but that's not really never been our thing. But we will start that back up for sponsor reasons. Follow us on Facebook. Peyton, tell them where to find us if you're not already on there. Facebook.com slash group slash everything college basketball. Go join a group. We have over like 500 members, something like that. I think we're getting close to yep. 600 members. It's very active, day-by-day content. Breaking news. Um, breaking news, recruiting news, all the news you ever wanted and more. So go join. It's a lot of fun. Buy our merch. Teespring.com slash everything college basketball. Please buy our merch. Please do. Please buy our merch. Please. Um, and then go listen to our friends. I'd, I'd hate to forget it. You know, does our intro. You know, Wayne Emberton, Real Life Music Crew, a.k.a. Ghost Flows. Go check all them out. Find anywhere you can find music. Just search up Ghost Flows or the Real Life Music Crew or COB Circle Bosses Indiana Chapter. All that good stuff. Go go show them love. Please tell them that Josh and Pate from ECB sent you. Same with everything or everything pro wrestling. Our sister site, Everything Pro Wrestling. Conrad Cushman works his ass off to make that successful. I'm proud of him. A little salty that he's got a manscape. Sponsored and we haven't yet, but we will eventually catch up on him on that. He can have the Manscaped, even though I do want that stuff. As long as we get like a Bluetooth sponsor, and I'm chilling. Bluetooth, get your dick card with ECB, <laughs> or or get a Circle K promotion like Cook wanted. You know, just anything. what was that energy? A oh, bang! I want a bang energy drink. Yeah, bang energy drink. Um, either or, but yeah, I haven't said this in a while. But comment that Cushman, everything for wrestling, everything for wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. That's all I gotta say. Go follow him. He's, he does great stuff over there on everything pro wrestling. Well, yeah. that being said, we're running almost two hours here for you, so enjoy the long double episode. We promised you Packers 2 0, Reds in the playoffs as of now. Life's good. Hope you guys enjoyed episode 64, the double episode previewing the ACC and the Big 12. Next week, we're heading to episode 65 for the SEC preview. Until then, Stay safe, stay happy. I'm Josh Burton. My name's Peyton Burton. And we will see you then. Boom! Boom.